If I went to Lubanui and I didn't know anybody, I'd be like, this whole place is run by teens. The bouncer is a teen. The owner is a teen. The bartender is a teen. The host is a teen. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like reading anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode, obviously acknowledging that triggers and trigger words are real and valid. Realistically, mm-hmm. every time someone says the word lost, my head snaps in their direction. It's true. Um, but I would say that like if it had to be like a word like tangerine that means a lot to me, like tangerine obviously means nothing to them anyway, but mm-hmm. um, I would choose pangolin. Ooh. It has the same amount of syllables, and it means something to me. That's kind of cute. And it's, like, obscure enough that you yeah. can say it out loud. Yeah. If you guys don't know what a pangolin is, please Google it. They are adorable. It's basically Robin in animal form. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Afritania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And I don't know why I said that so weird, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, I didn't notice anything different. I was trying to inhale so that I wouldn't burp. Oh, okay. Cool. So I can't believe, like, no one's thought of this, but, like, my first thought with joke answer was Beetlejuice. Mm. Mm. You know? And then I didn't think far beyond a joke answer because once I landed on Beetlejuice, I was like, that's it. That's the tea. Can this be another part of my theory that the musical this year is Beetlejuice. Yes. Because that's what I've been saying. Done. Done. Yes. I would love that. I just like, I said that in the teaser one that we did that was all about the trailer for season four, Mm -hmm. you guys. So if you haven't checked that out, you should go back and check it out. We probably say a whole bunch of dumb stuff because we don't literally know anything about season four. That's true. Um, But I made the prediction that the musical this year is going to be Beetlejuice because it's really relevant right now and it's like spooky. It has one order rider in it and it was a movie first but it's so new like it just came on broadway that like i don't know if they would like have the right to did do you it. see they're being forced out of their theater no yeah by another production that like bought their way into the theater so beetlejuice is being forced off broadway yeah that's really messed up especially because it's so popular right yeah, now cap- yeah capitalism is a hell of a disease mm. anyway anyway hey, tell us who you are <laughs> my name is samantha coley i'm a 27 year old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I don't know if I have... Look, I'm not good at this. Okay. My Robin-style answer of um, what word uh, gets your attention immediately is now Star Trek, and I blame Brittany entirely for that. You're welcome. And I, like, I don't know why, but my instinctual answer when, um, I, when we were just talking about it was, like, was grapefruit? Sure. Interesting. It's similar to tangerine. It yeah. sure is. I, I, like, it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, but let's go with grapefruit. What about Imzadi, Imzadi, Imzadi? That's too cute, and, um, someone would probably say it to me, and I don't want to oh, kill good anybody. Point. Good point. Don't want to kill anyone. Oh, yeah, should the, the second part of it be, like, who would you kill? Don't if someone me. said it to? No, it has to be, like, someone that you would be in danger of actually killing. I mean, I'd probably kill Robin. <gasps> Why? Because <laughs> you're just nearby. <laughs> someone you're engaged to is here. <laughs> I wouldn't want to yeah, kill her. but I don't want to kill her. Oh, no. It's not who you would want. You think Alice wants to kill Betty? She 
So wait, so you're saying that I have to admit that I don't like someone in the relative vicinity of me and that I would kill them? No. No, no she's not saying that you say you don't like the person. She's saying, like, who would you accidentally end up murdering if you went into a trance? Like, you mm. think Alice doesn't like Betty? I, I wasn't following the logic. Uh, oh no, I'd probably end up killing Sam or you. Because mm. I'm always around you two the most. Yeah, yeah. that's why I... In the poly vein, I live with my sister now. Uh-oh. Ooh, well, Callie. Trouble. That's a problem, because Callie comes up with some of our, like, most surprisingly accurate theories mm. in this podcast, so we kind of need to keep her around. Today we have words to say about episode 409 of Riverdale, Tangerine. So Tangerine is a 2015 American comedy drama film. The story follows a transgender sex worker who discovers her boyfriend and pimp has been cheating on her. The film was shot with three iPhone 5S smartphones. So it doesn't seem like the plot of the film has anything to do with the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but obviously the name has something to do with the episode. Which is why, like, when you said that you thought that the trigger word was going... Like, if the trigger word were to be a thing, which it was, because my sister figured that out pretty immediately after we watched the trailer somehow. Mm. Um, you said that it was going to be Tangerine. And the reason why I didn't think that it was going to be Tangerine was because the because of the plot. I was like, I don't know how this would make sense with the... But, like, so it seems like they literally only chose to name it after this movie because they wanted it, the trigger word to be Tangerine. And I don't really know why they wanted it to be Tangerine when they could have picked any movie. Well, here's what you do. You open a dictionary and you go, what word should we pick? And then you close your eyes and then you slam your finger down and it landed on, and it lands on Tangerine and that's what you pick. Well, and then you, and then just like, oh, good thing there's a film called this. I mean, yeah. I, for some reason, I have not seen this film. Me neither. But I also haven't seen the film that this is all making me think of, mm. which is Clockwork Orange. Okay. Ooh, yeah. So, like, for some reason, my brain is like, they took the plot references from that and took Tangerine because it sounds cooler than Orange. Sure. Which is, like, probably not true, but... Which is why they named... Which is why they named the movie Tangerine. Like I said last uh, last episode, they named it Tangerine because they did all of the color correcting... And they found that it was, like, mostly orange. And they didn't want to call it orange, so they called it tangerine. All right, fair enough. So that makes sense. Okay. So going into thoughts from listeners, uh, before we get started here, we got some thoughts from our friend Isra, who is at Isra Glass. And she wanted to talk to us about the difference between, I think we said, a therapist and a psychologist. Yes. Or a a therapist and a psychiatrist. Isra is always smarter than I am, and Mm. it is just so so nice, you know? Yeah, so nice to have somebody there. Yeah. Um, so this is what Isra said. On the psychologist slash therapist front, or I think I think it was psychiatrist, I know in Canada that psychologist is a protected term, but therapist and counselor aren't. A psychologist is someone who either has a PhD in psychology and works in academia and can only call themselves a psychologist in that setting, or they have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, though in some provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan, you can be a chartered psychologist with a master's degree. That's my mommy! The point is, if she is a therapist, she might not be a psychologist, and she may have some degree in counseling, but I don't know what that means. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I probably should have remembered considering my mom is literally a chartered psychologist in Alberta, (laughs) but it's been a really long time since she had to get her chartering, so 
I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> don't look at me. We also got a SoundCloud comment from our friend King's Token, um, who, like, we were being stupid when we were like, where did Betty get $50,000? Um, hey guys, did you remember season two? No. Uh, King's Token reminded us that it was Betty's share of the Blossom inheritance. All right! Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Doink. Duh. Uh, and then we got some thoughts, lastly, from our friend Joanna, uh, who is at Veridissima. She uh, was talking to us during our TV Co stream. We'll talk a little bit about TV Co later. But this is some of the things that I pulled out of her comments that I thought were important to talk about. Firstly, really quickly, just that Electra's mom killed Agamemnon and not Electra. So oh yeah, right. It's yeah. a little confusing that Veronica said that Electra killed Agamemnon when it was actually her mom. And so you know, can we make this about Hermione? I don't know. Or or I is would, it just a mistake? I would love for the two of them to team up to mm -hmm. take him down. Yeah, and like literally kill him mm. because I hate him. <laughs> and then the other thing that Joanna brought up was that um, we were talking about Mrs. Burble talking to Archie about Fox Forest and wondering if he was cruising in Fox Forest. Right, right, right. And of course we were like, yay! <laughs> They're trying to tell us that Archie has bi vibes. Yay, we love it! Um, and oh, she must know because Kevin has told her or whatever. But what we didn't consider is what Joanna brings up is that adults know about Fox Forest and what we really need is a safe space for the LGBTQIA plus community in Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there needs to be a place in Riverdale that they can go. You're totally right. Where where could they go? I think Archie should make it the community center. Yeah, yeah it should be like a, queer, like a queer safe space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have that here um, that there's things on different storefronts that have like a badge with uh, the pride flag on it. And that means that it's, like, a safe space to go to if, like, you're being harassed or anything like that. So, like, the community center would be perfect for something like that. Yeah, exactly. Can we just get, like, a reveal that, like, Monroe is queer and then he then he can make it like that? And then we can just keep having Archie just, like, give him eyes for no reason? Yes! <laughs> I'm on board. Also, where is Monroe? I miss he's, him. He's at the hospital with Malcolm. And Eddie, mm. they said. Yeah. But, like, I want him to be in the episodes. So. I think he's in the trailer. Yeah, he is. Episodes, Protecting so. the boys. So, before we get into the episode, uh, Sam, toot or boot? Toot. I, uh, if I someday get to finish my review, since I broke my computer. Oops. Um, well, did you know that you shouldn't pour Mountain Dew on computers? I did know that. Oh. Then why'd you do it? Unintentional. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> If I ever get to finish my review, it will have a four and a half star rating. That is nice. Mm. Yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah. I will also toot it. I really liked it. Mm -hmm. It was really fun to watch. Like, yeah. Some of the episodes you sit there and you're like, ugh. But this one, like, all of us were, like, bouncing on the couch and yelling at the TV. And, like, that's the most fun you can have watching Riverdale. Mm. It was very classic Riverdale in all the good ways. Yeah. Like, this reminded me of a season one or two episode. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm going to toot it as well. Uh... I didn't notice when actually, when we were actually like watching it, but doing notes on this episode, the amount of bouncing around it does was kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's genius though, because it keeps the tension high the entire mm -hmm. time. If you yeah. don't let a scene breathe, the audience can't breathe. But like it, it, like it was like 45 seconds here, a minute here, yeah. 45 seconds here, a minute here. Like it was like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's like, if you're trying to like bounce through looking specifically for one storyline, it's impossible. Yep. So, but, so that was kind of annoying while I was doing notes. 
But just watching it was super enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm going to yeah. give it a two. The way it was structured actually worked pretty well for a mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. It makes the episode feel like it moves very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are going to start with Cheryl. Yay! Who did Cheryl? Oh, me. I want you guys to know that in my notes, I'm looking at the word, sorry, the not word, unfumigate. I wrote the word unfumigate in my notes. Sure, sure, sure. Not a word. Could be if you wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So Cheryl literally smokes out her mother by setting a poisonous rat trap to lure her into the open, and I, for one, am thrilled about it. Penelope wakes up to her very own blossom trial filled with Alice in Wonderland allegories, uh, held by Cheryl as the theatrical Red Queen herself. For the record, only 50% of this jury is alive. (laughs) Penelope doesn't want to play this game, and Cheryl lets her have it. Penelope admits that she is jealous of her relationship with dead Jason. So, okay. What? Uh, What? What? I believe you'll find that it's exactly 60% of the jury is alive. I've... Cheryl is the judge. Oh, okay. Oh, oh math. Okay. Oh, math. Oh, math. <laughs> Hello. Math. Penelope admits that she's jealous of the relationship that Cheryl has with uh, dead Jason, which is creepy. Cheryl finds Penelope guilty of being the best villain in Riverdale and sentences her <laughs> to life in a Boy Scout bunker. Cheryl is finally at peace and she decides that it's time to lay Jason to rest for good. She invites her best friends to Sweetwater River where it all began for a Viking funeral to say goodbye to her brother once and for all. Oh yeah. So that was like the first time that the whole cast has been together in a while, hey? Yeah, like all season basically. Yeah. Uh, So she sets off roach spray, presumably to die with everyone else, even though um, the other two are already dead. Yeah. she just wanted to join them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, gets Penelope out of the wall. So shout out to, let me check to see who it was who sent us that. Yes. Email. One of our listeners freaking nailed this theory. And I'm proud of each and every one of you for being so smart. I'm just so glad it was Penelope because like, Leah! Woohoo, Leah! I just wanted it to be Penelope. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that's exactly who it was. Yeah. Um, Nat Bolt is a gift, and this character is just so chaotic and so evil, and she is the best villain in Riverdale, Mm. and I stand by that. Yep. So we have Cheryl in a red gas mask, holding the hands of a doll and a corpse. Is Madeline okay? Yeah. Like, uh, I just wonder if in that moment she was like, this is what my life is. Yeah. Record scratch. Yep, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm wondering how I got here. Like, (laughs) it's freaking crazy, like... Riverdale out of context, like, it is the ideal show to have a Twitter account with, like, an out of context Twitter account because none of it makes any sense. Yeah. Speaking of which, go follow out of context Riverdale. It's mm-hmm. great. It's a it complete great. ride. But yeah, that, um, that moment where they're just all sitting there and I'm like, mm, imagine if that was your occupation. Imagine if someone asked, hey, what are you doing today? And you're like, well, today Cheryl is uh, going to try and smoke her mom out by wearing a gas mask and holding hands with a doll and her dead brother, and you'd be like, cool, cool, okay. uh-huh. cool. So you're on Days of Our Lives? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how it be. Yeah. So it seems like, I mean, Penelope, like, passes out, and when she comes to, the house is, like, fully, like, chill to breathe again. So my question is, bringing it back to my previous note, how did they unfumigate the house? You just open the windows and blow fans. Okay. It's poison, though. You know? I mean, I had no. a pet like, theory that it wasn't really poison at all. Well, it, well, it, it was, because it... I know. Yeah, that would be a good theory if Penelope hadn't fully been... Yeah, that was my coughing. theory up until, like, that part. I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's not real stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I And Cheryl definitely did inhale some of that. Oh, yeah. 
like put the gas mask on. I mean, this is never gonna come back, and Probably it's just not. something we kind of have to like deal with. I mean, right, I'm sure, so weird. I'm sure a minor amount of inhalation like will harm you for mm-hmm. sure, but won't kill you. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's why that's why Penelope passes out. Yeah, yeah. Like your body like goes into a mode to protect itself. I mean, yeah, and it's supposed to kill roaches and like. Humans are a little more resilient than, well, roaches are very resilient, <laughs> but humans, you know, your our lungs are a little bit more suited to handle that probably. But still, like, if Cheryl was planning on fully dying, then that means that it would eventually kill somebody. You know what I mean? Not that it really matters in the long run, so moving on. Yep. Cheryl, as she's waiting for Penelope to wake up, she's reading Alice's Adventures in Wonderland just to, like, brush herself up on the, the speech she's gonna make, you know? Yeah, she's like, well, you know what? If you're going to be a dramatic, do it right. Mm-hmm. And so there's five people against one, except only three of the people in the room. Well, three people on that side of the room are alive. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. Normal things in Cheryl's house. So Penelope is the one who was moving Julian. Great. Yes. That's kind of what we thought it would be. Problem solved. Um, was Nana Rose in on it? No. In on- we have her. We have her on Cheryl's side right now, but like... So in on... The Penelope. gaslighting or well Nana Rose is the one who like told the story of Julian. Like I'm like, does Nana Rose know that Cheryl wasn't the one to absorb Julian? No. Does Julian was Julian ever even a thing? I you know it's very unclear at this point, so I'm looking forward to watching Cheryl interrogate her mother for the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. But like, I mean it's possible because it's this show they'll just like rewrite most of this, but mm. um I think at this point Nana Rose wasn't involved because she kind of seemed, like, as sort of confused about Julian being around as Cheryl at one point. And, like, Nana Rose isn't well anyway, so I think if Julian showed up, she would just be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Okay, sure. Uh, Brittany, would you like to talk about Tony's hair? What is up with Tony's hair? What? Why is she constantly wearing that, like, freaking headband? Or a full-on beanie? Yeah, it's it's confusing because, like, Sam pointed out, like, r- like Vanessa dyes her hair. Yeah. So why are her roots always covered? I... It must have just been a situation at the beginning of this season. I I feel like at some point it will stop, but I don't know. Was it just this episode? Or I thought, I, no, it's been going on for a couple weeks because it's been bugging me for a while. Well, let's see, like, let's check the end of last week's episode because, like, she's there and she's reading that book, right? Yeah, have no. It's not, I, and now I'm going to have to preface this by saying, I don't think it's every scene, but it's so many scenes. Right. Like, she had a wig on... For the Halloween episode. Right. She had it. Yeah, she had it on last week. Well, what is it? That weird... The headband. Headband? Yeah. I just never... I didn't notice back then because she was wearing it normally, but, like, this week she had, like, one hair sticking out the front, and I yep. was like, now it looks weird. <laughs> okay, well, there's something wrong with Tony's hair. Uh, we don't know what it is, but... And it probably isn't a plot point. We just want to know. So we start talking about Alice in Wonderland. Um, what's interesting about Cheryl is that a child wouldn't usually identify with the Red Queen. I mean... But she couldn't identify with Alice. Why? Alice was too humble. Alice is too meek to be. Well, yeah, okay, so how young are we talking here? I mean, you can be precocious at any age. Like, I don't know how young we're supposed to assume Cheryl is, but, like, I think she's- I could see it. I think she saw someone who liked red as much as she did and picked the Red Queen. Mm. And I think she, like- It's just that the Red Queen comes in so late in the book that it's like Alice is your only person to identify with. For, like, most of the book. Yeah, so she was, like, enjoying it, and then the Red Queen showed up, and she was like, oh, Oh, that's that's my character. Right. So is she saying that Penelope is Alice in this situation? 
No, I don't think so. No, because she just, she literally said, just like the Red Queen did to Alice, I'm putting you on trial. I think she's just using it as a, like a, a metaphor, I guess. Yeah. Which is another example of using fictional characters, uh, whatever, like Ms. Verbal said last Lord knows this show likes to mix up its metaphors into a weird pot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Penelope has this scorpion brooch. Oh, so good. You guys remember when Cheryl had a whole bunch of different brooches and now she only, only wears, wears the, the spider, spider one. one? Yeah. You and I Which, were tracking them in season yeah. one because we loved her like array of brooches. She had like this cherry one. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she didn't, why she stopped wearing the cherry one. I specifically remember at the end of season one, and this is relevant actually, this episode when she's going to go and kill herself in the river, she like starts giving away things. And I remember her giving away a brooch and yeah. then she gives it to Jughead so he can sell it or something because she's like, you're poor here <laughs> or whatever. But I didn't think she gave away all of her brooches. I don't know. Anyway, she's only wearing this one now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's all right, but I miss her variety. Yeah, it was fun to see the new ones every time. I feel like I read somewhere or heard somewhere that Madeline either likes the spider one more. I think I think that she likes the spider one more than the cherry one. Mm. That and they actually sell the spider one like as merchandise, so that's right. probably why they use it as much as possible. Right. That, okay, that makes sense. Um, so Penelope thinks that Cheryl is looking for a reason to kill her, but she says that she's actually looking for a reason to spare her. That makes perfect sense. I don't think that Cheryl wants to kill Penelope. She doesn't want to kill her mother, mm-hmm. but she certainly doesn't want her mother to get away with what she has. Right. And, and jail will never give Cheryl the justice she wants. No, and she wants she wants to have the power in that relationship. Yep. Which is what she's always saying in but that dynamic. unlawful confinement is also illegal. Everything Cheryl's done is illegal. There's a- they murdered her uncle. Yeah. I, I don't think Cheryl is very concerned with the law at this mm-hmm. time. I think she's just concerned with, like, yeah. getting, like, her own personal justice. Yeah. Like, I didn't like Uncle Bedford, but I'm just, like, thinking of Aunt Cricket and Cousin Foster at this point and just being like, I hope they're okay. Like, yeah. he lost his dad. I mean, okay, but if you actually think about it from their point of view, a lot of really messed up stuff happened to them. Yeah. Um, Because they went there with a very reasonable request, which is sell the family business. The thing is which happens, kind of a mess. Which is happening in Archie's storyline now? Yeah. So it's like their lives are a mess. I'm not saying they're innocent. Like they were mean to Cheryl and stuff. Yeah. But like they're pr- pretty regular if annoyingly like mm, I would say brisk rich people. So like the fact that like they went there, got yelled at, like, for absolutely no reason, and then, I mean, this, I'm saying the mom and Foster, not the yeah. dad, because he's evil, and then he goes missing, and they find out that they ate him? They Man, ate I him. would be calling the FBI. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, cool, we have an officer there, actually. You can just chat with him. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Cheryl thinks it's about her relationship with Tony, but Penelope says that she doesn't care about her and Tony, even though Penelope's supposed to be homophobic. Yeah, Penelope was written to be homophobic. And we thought yeah. that was interesting because in because Cheryl had this thing with Josie in season two, and then in Midnight Club, it seemed like Penelope might have had a thing about Sierra, yeah, mm-hmm. which is like just another thing in I'm doing my parents' lives over and over again. Right. So we were like, maybe she's homophobic because she recognized it in herself and didn't like it or whatever, you know, like how internalized homophobia is a bit, it's a huge problem. Yeah. So we thought that's what was up, but now she's saying that she doesn't care about it. I mean, to be fair, I think we met, we over interpreted stuff between Sierra and Penelope in the Midnight Club. Yeah. It's just that like the, she sent the two couples away in completely different things. And then she was like, okay, Sierra, looks like it's just me and you. Like we're hanging out. You know, like it seemed like that's what they were doing. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it, I think it's meant to be open to interpretation. Yeah. So, like, it, it's not, like, canon. 
Yeah. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is canon that she's supposed to be homophobic. Yes. Oh, right. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I'm also saying, like, it's also, it tracks that she, at this point, would not care anymore. Because, like, it's, she's, Cheryl has been with Tony for a full year. And, like, it makes, she has bigger fish it to makes fry. sense to me that the Jason thing is a much sore, or much more sore point mm-hmm. for Penelope than whatever Cheryl is doing with her love life. Right. So she says that her thing was that she didn't want to see her happy with Jason. And so is Penelope saying that she wants to, she wants to be in Cheryl's position? She wants to be with, beside dead Jason and talking to dead Jason? Like, I'm confused. I was actually like, I I liked so much of this episode. And like, obviously like our podcast kind of discusses the more like annoying aspects Mm because we're nitpickers, I guess. Yeah. But this one was one part of the episode where I was like, what? Because of all the motives that Penelope could have had, it was this one? Yeah. Like, what? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, if you wanted Jason's dead body to keep company with, you could have just stolen Jason in the middle of the night. I don't think true. that that's... I don't think she meant literally. Because if she did mean literally, and I hope that this isn't true, because I want Cheryl's choosing to finally, not to necessarily bury Jason, but give him a type of burial. Rest. Yeah, lay him to rest. I want it to be, like, about her and about Jason and and like that. But, like... If Penelope, like, genuinely meant, like, I want to hang out with, also want to hang out with dead Jason, and you get to hang out with dead Jason and I'm sad, I, like, don't want it to be about that. Like, Cheryl's getting rid of Jason because that's what her mom wants. Her mom wants to be with Jason. No, I thought it, I thought it meant that Cheryl had, like, reached a point where she could be happy and, like, where she could, like, face that situation in a way that, that made her feel good. Mm -hmm. And Penelope never got closure. Right. On Jason's death. So she wanted to destroy Cheryl. Like, Cheryl didn't have closure either, but she was, like, she was happy, even though it was, like, a twisted, gross kind of happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that she was jealous of that feeling and not, not the physical having of Jason's body. Gotcha. Okay. She talks about uh, that she's going to a place so vile and so revolting. And I'm like, honestly, the bunker is not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like she also, when she gets down there, she's like, it's got food and plumbing and electricity. She says, no, no, no. She says that that um, it's bigger than a cell. Yeah. That she would have at Shankshaw. But the cell would have food, electricity, and plumbing. So she's saying that this bunker doesn't have any of those. Oh. So is it so vile and so revolting is because you're pooping in the corner? <laughs> like, is but that I mean, what it is? You know what it does have? A, a bunch of candles. Frankly, alarming amount of candles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a continually alarming amount of candles. Yeah. She's like, but at least it's bigger than a cell, so you're welcome. I mean, I think it's genius. Because we'd been asking a little while ago what happened to Dilton's bunker. True. I genuinely thought that they had destroyed the set, so it's interesting to see it. And yeah. it, it was a little bit of a blast from the past. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she just uh, leaves her there. Sure. My question is just, like, how long is she leaving her there for? You know what I mean? I bet you she's going to be in there a while. Like, with no food or anything? Like, is she going to come back to Oh, she'll, no, she'll, she'll come, come back, back and feed her. her. Yeah. She'll feed her okay. every now and then and, like, torture her emotionally, and it'll be great. I'm going to be very entertained. Yeah. So Cheryl says that it's legit actual time to bury Jason, thank God. And Jason, like, he's burned up now, bro. Like, he's not coming back. We can finally put Jason to literal rest. Yeah. He's been buried and unburied and buried and unburied and unburied and unburied so many times. Buried and unburied again. Buried and unburied? Great. (laughs) And Tony goes, are you sure? 
I'm like, Tony, shut up. <laughs> Just let her do it. Tony's like weird support and like going along with all of Cheryl's crap. I'm like, can you please, like Tony doesn't have a personality at this point. Yeah, I'm really sad because like I, I and I've said it this season, like Tony became one of the like main characters that I loved in season two. Like the main core four for me was Jughead, Tony, Sweet Pea, and Fangs. And now it's like, where's Sweet Pea? Fangs is finally back. Jughead, of course. But, but it feels like Tony is just as as MIA as Sweet Pea She's is. She's just a, an accessory in Cheryl's plotline. Yep, which is upsetting. Too bad. Yeah. Like, that's what happened to Veronica in her own storyline, and it's also the exact same thing that's happening to Tony. And like, even Veronica gets more depth, mm-hmm. I would say, because all Tony does well, is this, Tony is Cheryl's yes-man now. This week, she's gotten more depth. Yeah. But, like, throughout the season, they've both been like, hello, I'm just a plot device. I really loved Tony in the Halloween episode when she was, like, actively being like, this is messed up, Cheryl. Right? What yeah. the heck? Then it was like, okay, I'm still with, I'm with you, Tony. And then as then for some reason, Cheryl's like, yeah, I'm gaslighting you. And Tony's like, I'm going to let myself be gaslit. And then just, like, is a prop. Like, as we said last week, sure wish Tony had gotten to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. They talk about how Jason deserves peace. And I'm like, I've been saying... You, ha- you have been I saying have it. Been it. Saying. You've been saying it. Mm-hmm. Viking funeral, I think, is the most badass type of funeral. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're, like, super illegal, but, like, so cool. Are they? Yeah. She should have um sent a fl- sent him out and then done a flaming arrow. Oh, that was oh, so cool. Wait, what the hell? Why didn't they do that? <laughs> She's literally an archer. Yeah, she, like, just talked about it last episode, too, but okay. So she invites the core four and Tony because they were there, like, when she almost died at the end of season one. Yeah. And then also Tony. Sweetwater River is very much about all... Like, to me, Sweetwater River represents, you know, not only the whole show, but very much, like, this core group of characters. Like, every time they're at Sweetwater River, it kind of brings the show back home. Mm -hmm. Like, to right where it all started. Yeah. So I really liked, like, the callback to season one, especially, like, finding Jason's body at the river and everyone was standing there. I was like, oh, nice. I like this. Yeah, and the aesthetics of her wearing... It's not the same outfit, but it's, like similarly shaped and yeah. the same color. Yeah. It's like I an like homage. The, yeah. Like all I mean, of her outfits her are either similar. yeah, all of her outfits are either red or white. And it's always white, especially when it comes to Jason. Jason is always wearing white when we see him and like like was he he was wearing like his body was wearing white at the end of Yeah. Last season. Jason's always in white. Yeah, they just changed his outfit, I guess. Yeah, which is very which annoying. Is, which implies that they like I don't know, it's gross. Yeah. Oh my god, that does imply that they had to dress him. Yeah, they had to, like, get him undressed. I'm good. And, like, he, rigor mortis. <laughs> rigor mortis! Like, how you get Morris. it off? Who's Morris? Especially if he's sitting, like... And, and then they have him, like, lying down now, and I'm like, y'all know that you can't really, like, move people, right? No, rigor mortis eventually... I just said rigor mortis because <laughs> Alyssa Edwards has ruined me. Rigor mortis uh, does eventually pass. Oh, okay. Yep. Your body becomes valuable again. Yep. Like, ooh, I'm a spaghetti noodle now. Yeah, basically. But if he was taxidermied also, what's tea? Then, like, I feel like if he was sitting in the chair, they'd have to weigh him down because they would just go boing, you know, back ta- to straight. Honestly, taxidermy must have been a, like euphemism. I think it, I, like, I, I think she just meant embalmed. Yeah. Do you ever think about, like, what we're talking about and go, oh, wow? <laughs> Madeline had to wear a red gas mask and hold the diamond thing. I'm just saying. Um, like, she has it worse than us. I know she does. I'm just, this show is absolutely wild. So, spider brooch, what's the significance of the spider brooch? Because she's even wearing it now at the funeral. She's a black widow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Actually, she needs to, to be- have one red thing on. Yeah, I was gonna say, actually, to be fair, that's kind of Penelope more than anyone. Oh, yeah. 
Maybe it's time for a new brooch. Maybe it is. No. So they go back to the river, which is where Jason died, so he needs to be buried at the river. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote the boy in the river, which is relevant in the Jughead storyline. So we'll yes. talk about that there. Oh, uh, then we were talking about, like, what if you were camping on the river? Oh, yeah. Like, so imagine you decide to take your family camping. Yeah. It's, like, fall coming into winter. It's, like, one of the last days that you can go camping. So you pull the kids out of school for the, and, you know, you give them an extra day on either side. Let's go, little Jimmy. Yeah. So you set up camp, and you're like, okay, let's take the kids fishing. Mm -hmm. So you go down to the river, and in the distance, you see, as if the sun itself (laughs) is blazing fire, Mm. (laughs) a body floating in a boat that is burning to a crisp. Yeah. Delicious. What's that, mommy? (laughs) That man's on fire! I feel like at the point that anyone saw it, they wouldn't have been able to tell right. there was a body in there. Yeah. Or, like, the yeah. parents, like, look across the, the lake and they're like, oh, it's those freaking teens again. Don't look, kids. Yeah, they're probably amazing. doing something weird. Just, Wait, like, cover their eyes. <laughs> um, you know that the fire is obviously CGI because they probably don't have that many Jasons and they can't just go burn in Jasons. Yep. But um, also Jughead puts his full-on face in the fire, <laughs> you big dope. Yeah, he, like, mm, yeah. But uh, lastly for the storyline, I really like the moment where Cheryl says that she really wishes that Tony could have met Jason because he was a really good brother. That was so sweet. That was soft. But I also found myself after that being like, was he? (laughs) I mean, I didn't know him. Yeah. He he literally never says anything, so I don't know. Literally all I know about Jason is stuff that I have heard from Polly and Cheryl. I bet he was a really good listener. Probably was. Because he was dead for most of what we've seen. Okay. (laughs) That's all I had for Cheryl. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Cool, so now we're gonna do Veronica. It actually, it was not bad this episode. It wasn't it that could, bad. It, it has been worse. It that has, is for sure. But, like, the bar is just so low at this point mm-hmm. that the ma- they managed to clear it. I mean, sorry, I mean, not Veronica's storyline. I meant uh, Hiram's storyline. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, this one, I think you could arguably say was more Veronica. Yay! Okay. Finally. All right, so here we go. Here's, here's what happened with Veronica this week. Veronica suddenly can't get into any universities. I wonder why that is. She still has an interview with Columbia, thank God. I sure wish she hadn't told Hiram that, though. Hiram is having she and Pop's liquor licenses removed, so they decide to have a big-ass party before that happens. Pop says that Hiram wasn't raised right. Ronnie gets a genius idea and calls her Abuelita in to tell her everything Hiram has done and to get the Lodge family rum recipe. Abuelita slaps Hiram when she sees him, which is just the most satisfying thing that's ever happened on this show. Ronnie tells Hiram she got the recipe, so buzz off. She hosts the last big party at Le Bon Nuit and gets a nasty surprise when she discovers Hiram invited the Columbia recruiter to the party. Ronnie performs a number with Kevin, who I didn't know could sing. Could I did it anyone else know this? Yeah. He's been he's sung before. He's been in musical episodes, but like it's just been so long, you know? It's yeah. It's been a minute, yeah. The, I think the last time we had him like actively sing was God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen in the season two mid-season finale. Exactly. Wow. Anyway, okay, so anyway, after they perform that number, Hiram tells her he patented the rum recipe, so she can't use it anyway. However, luckily the Columbia recruiter was super into everything that Ronnie was doing. So there's a good chance she's getting into Columbia. So she didn't get into Dartmouth. He is obviously sabotaging her. Yeah, oh, for sure. Can't. Sabotaging every other opportunity that she has because he has to control her because he's a disgusting person. Can't yeah. stand him. Can't stand him. Uh, so she has an interview with Columbia. Like you said, she he either wants her to go to Harvard or community college. Like either you get to go to this thing that I want you to go to and you get to have big prestige or you're dirt. Which, obviously, like, people who go to community college, 
aren't dirt, but in Hiram's eyes, because he's a garbage person. Yeah. Yeah. So her liquor license gets revoked uh, from the mayor's office, obviously, because Hiram can do whatever he wants. Pop mentions that he wasn't raised right, which was iconic. That was one of the best lines of the entire show, because it was so succinct. Mm -hmm. It just summed Hiram up perfectly. Like, Pop never wants to be mean. He's like, this is about as mean as I get. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Right. It was, like, the most cutting Pop has ever been, and Mm -hmm. it was, like, just tea. Yeah. And, like, now that we know that actually he was raised right. Yeah, that's what she says. She says he was, actually. Yeah. I want Pop to just be like, oh, never mind. He's just a straight-up dick. Yeah. Like, (laughs) your dad's a dick. That'd be amazing. (laughs) But it's like, what was the turning point then? Was it when he changed his name? Yeah, probably. Because we thought that was, like, when he was... That means he was, like, a teenager when he was, like, I don't know. The the timeline's a little weird with Hiram. The thing about this show is that timelines don't matter and the rules don't count. Yeah. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. There you go. She's like, oh, who did raise him? I'll call her up. And he's like, ah, why are you telling me to my mommy? Yo, that was literally hilarious. He was like, really? And I was like, yeah, she told your mom. Because you know what the one thing that you can never lie to? Your freaking mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good luck, idiot. If people talk to you on the internet and they're really, really gross, you can try and find their mom. I've done that. And tell them what they did. And they'll get in trouble. It works. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So she calls her grandma godmother. So is she her grandmother and her godmother? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, she says that she'll give her the recipe. She tells her about Hiram and his crap. She literally tattled on him. Is she drinking alcohol in front of her grandma? She asked Probably. her grandma for her rum recipe. Yeah. So it's like, what? listen, they just do things different in the Lodge family, okay? As long as you do it in the house or your own bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> so Hiram gets slapped by his own mom, and she Icon. says, and she says that his father would be disappointed in him. And I feel like that doesn't mean anything to yeah, Hiram. Yeah, Hiram didn't like his, his dad. Right. That's why he changed his name. Or like, mm, but it could be a very similar Veronica and Hiram situation with Hiram and his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, it was the opposite because his dad's name was, like, garbage and that's why he changed it, right? Yeah. His dad's... Reputation. Reputation was really bad. I wonder if, like, later, like, Hiram was still craving his father's approval and clearly never got it. Mm -hmm. I I have very little notes on this storyline, I just realized. It's just that I don't... Not a lot happened in it other than, I guess, like, you know, they took one step forward, one step back with Ronnie and the rum. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought it was entertaining, uh, this, like, it, it's nothing new, there's nothing, like, there's nothing really to comment on, mm-hmm. except that, like, it's the same thing we've seen a hundred times before, but it was slightly more entertaining this time exactly. because it was at higher stakes. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed the, uh, Columbia thing working out in Veronica's favor, mm-hmm. because suck it, Hiram, feminism is a thing. I really like the moment where, like, obviously she's here because of Hiram. She says that your assistant got uh, a hold of my assistant. So Veronica's like, hey, thanks, Dad. You made it sound like I have an assistant, which is pretty cool. Yeah, right. But it also implies that Hiram's like, um, hello, um, this is, Veronica, Lu- this is Veronica Luna's office. Um, I'm just <laughs> a little assistant boy. That's so funny. He's like, I'm not a 16-year-old nerd, except when I have to be. Yeah. Then I will be a 16-year-old nerd. Inside, Hiram will forever be a 16-year-old nerd. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And that probably eats him. Uh, So the Columbia lady who's doing the interview, her name is So... So Shauna Rutherford. I think it's an amazing name. So like we were saying, this episode was classic Riverdale. The main example of this is poppy music Mm -hmm. during... 
fighting, yep. which is occurring in Archie's storyline. Yeah, they did this. The scene was just composed like super, super well, and they like played off of the lyrics of the song that they right, chose. like the yeah. switchblade moment. Switchblade moment was fantastic. It was unlike. I mean, obviously they do this pretty well, but I think like sometimes they started re- like relying on it too much, and mm-hmm. it kind of became like a crutch because. There was a point in season three where they were doing this like every other episode. That's definitely true. So the fact that they, I, I think because that was like the only thing they could remember to get Josie to do was sing, right? Yeah, so yeah. they kept having them do that. Mm-hmm. But this one felt more thoughtful, very much more purposeful. Mm. So shout out to Kevin. Uh, he gets a solo and he's playing piano. Did we know? We knew that he could sing, but we I don't think we knew that he played piano. No, we definitely I mean, didn't. he's always been, no, I think we did. Well, he was, was he, because he wasn't like the accompanist. I think for like the musicals or anything. I mean, he well, mm, no, maybe he's just the been the director, MC, the whole like because oh, yeah. he hosts yeah. Lubanui. Yeah, right, 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 right. If I went to Lubanui and I didn't know anybody, I'd be like, this whole place is run by teens. The bouncer is a teen. The owner is a teen. The bartender is a teen. The host is a teen. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was like the funniest part for me was like the entire time no one was questioning the fact that Reggie was behind the bar. Yeah, not twenty one. Mm-mm. And that Ronnie was having a huge party to send their liquor license off. Also not 21. Yeah, this is like a, this is also a thing that we had about Tony because she like was the one of the bartenders at the White Worm and she was like even less 21 than we are now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love this show's like view of legality. It's just, eh, it doesn't Meh. exist. Yeah. Something that I really liked about this uh, episode, um, Veronica and Reggie seem to be on really good terms. Yeah, they, they seem to at the very least still work quite well together. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Mm-hmm. That's still your ship. I'd still like for them to explore that a little bit more. Yeah. I yeah. think. Oh, same. And all the respect to Vargi shippers. Um, but like we've said in previous episodes, it really seems like Veronica is kind of just Archie's piggy bank at this point. And I found that Vargi was the most interesting uh, in season three when they were like still in love, but apart when Archie was dating Josie and Veronica was dating Reggie. Oh, yeah. And like, it's nice that they like, they always like come back together, but I'm just like, can y'all go apart again just for a little bit? Like, um, not to be a completely tasteless person, but I mean, if Jughead's dead, I can have Barchie. Barchie! <laughs> <laughs> but what about Margie? I never expected to care about this many Archie ships, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's humbling to realize how far we've fallen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, here, that, that, those were always, that was, like, my, like, when I was reading the comics growing up, those were my ships. Betty and Archie, Veronica and Reggie, and then Jughead by himself because he's supposed to be ace. I always picked Reggie, or I always picked up Veronica and Archie. Never. But now that they're together, I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Now I genuinely prefer Bughead, which is very upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's tea. Because, like, have you heard that ship name? Yep. I just said it out loud. I mean, sounded bad. I mean, I prefer snake parents. I was gonna say phallus, and then I was like, no, I can't even say that, like, as a joke. Riverdale has the worship name. But yeah. Snake- Remember when they tried to tell us that Jarchi was called Bughead? Oh no, not Jarchi. Uh, Jeronica? Jeronica? They tried to tell us that Jeronica was called Bughead. Yep. <laughs> Bughead. Oof. So Hiram's like, cool dance. So that was awesome. Congratulations. I'm sure Columbia will really like it. And Veronica's like, whatever, dad. And Hiram is like, hey, also, by the way, just so you know, like the rum recipe that my mom gave you, I own it. Obviously. Yeah. 
I run a business. You patent your recipes. Yep. You idiot. Yep. <laughs> like, when that reveal came, I was like, like, like yeah. Yes, and? So change one ingredient. Be yeah. Done. Like, yeah. When she I, was I like, figured she was going to probably improve on it anyway. Yeah, because she said like, it wasn't good. Not? Guys, guys, imagine this. Gourmet makes, mm. but it's Veronica <laughs> making a gourmet version of Hyrule's recipe. Listen, if Claire isn't in it, I'm not interested. Well, maybe Claire's teaching Veronica how to do it. If anyone knows how to make alcohol out of nothing, it's Brad Leone. Okay, fine. So Veronica has the guest on the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. I just, I had an idea and I went with it. Yeah, I love it. I support it. Riverdale Bon Appetit AU? Wait, oh my god. Wait, wouldn't that be more of a binging with Babish thing? Babish would do it. Yeah, Babish could fully do that. Yeah. Either way, Veronica should really hit up YouTube for some hot tips. <laughs> yeah. Man, now I want to see Binging with Babish do a whole Riverdale episode. Upsetting! Oh my god, making Jingle Jangle in Fizzle Rock? <gasps> ah! That'd be so, cool. That'd be so cool. So Hiram's like, hey, if you use my recipe, I'm gonna sue you. I'm like, shut I'm up, Okay. Peter. He calls her an underage party girl, that they're gonna see her as an underage party girl. I'm like, at least someone knows she's underage. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hiram invited the recruiter in, assuming that sexism as is per usual for, like, you know, all of history, mm-hmm. was going to work on his side. Yeah. What he didn't anticipate is that we live in a world now where a lot of people don't let that slide. Mm-hmm. So what he saw was an underage girl performing and selling booze and basically kind of, in my mind, kind of slut her a little bit. Mm. Oh, yeah. And what the recruiter saw was a young woman who managed to start her own business, have a successful business, and has perfect grades and wants to apply to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Hello? And, and also she can sing and entertain. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> she's very talented. Like, mm-hmm. if, if Riverdale's gonna ignore the legality of these things, that means Columbia ignores the legality of these things. So if that doesn't play a role, then what Columbia is seeing is an incredibly successful young woman who has succeeded outside of the realm of academia as well as inside it. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want her at your school? Right. And she has the ability to handle a situation when clearly it was unexpected. And her people skills are second to none. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she says they're looking for people with good stories. And it seems like, um, that's your life. Yeah. She's like, yep. I sure do have a good story. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. I gotta watch it on. Mm-hmm. Have I told you about the time that my dad kind of tried to kill my mom? <laughs> Did I tell you about the time that my mom tried to kill my dad? Did I tell you about the time that my mom hired the sheriff to kill my dad and the sheriff is still the sheriff and not in jail? Did I tell you about the time that both my parents were in jail? Mm. Did I tell you about the time that my that the sheriff also tried to kill my dad just because he hates him? Did I tell you about the time that my dad tried to kill my boyfriend? Mm. Did I tell you about the time that my boyfriend tried to kill my dad? Boom. That's like an entire semester's worth of stories at least. Did I tell you about the time that my dad tried to kill my boyfriend's best friend who's also the son of the sheriff and that's the reason why the sheriff tried, tried to, to kill my dad? Did I tell you? Well, at least the first time, but then also the second time? Mm. Did I tell you about the time that my boyfriend organized a football game in prison and we went to cheer for him? (laughs) Oh my god, you'll never know the highs and lows of high school football! Did I tell you about the time that my best friend has a serial killer gene? Did I tell you about the time that my best friend and her boyfriend turned out to have a half-sibling together? Did I tell you about the time that my best friend's dad turned out to be a serial killer and tried to kill, like, half the town? <laughs> and I tell you about it? my boyfriend alive. Did I tell you <laughs> about that? Columbia's like, come in. Get in. Get in. Did I tell you that I know Cheryl Blossom? <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That's all I have for Veronica. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Robin. Hey, can you tell me about Patreon? I'd love to talk to you about Patreon. 
Patreon is a service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. And we actually have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaficionados. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah. You wouldn't because I handle it mostly. Oh, right. <laughs> that makes sense. Because I'm really bad with numbers. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So the lowest one you can do is a dollar a month, but obviously we would love it. You know, any more dollar, <laughs> any more dollars would also be great. Yeah. Totally up to you. Yeah. And that just goes monthly to us, mostly to pay for all of our hosting fees. Um, January is when all of our SoundCloud accounts roll over and it's about $150 per podcast. And we're going to have a big five of those. So we could really use your guys's help. You get early access to all of the podcasts, at least a day early for all of those. And this is the last time that we're going to say it yep. <laughs> for this year. Um, if you join our Patreon by the end of the year, uh, we will send you a postcard. It is our third anniversary postcard. Um, they have actually started to arrive to the people who Yay! we send them to, uh, to our patrons. And um, we appreciate every single one of them. So we're so happy to be able to send them a card. And we want to send one to you too. But if Patreon isn't your thing, but you still want a postcard, hit me up. Um, you can email us at gmail.com. You can pretty much get a hold of me uh, pretty much anywhere. And all you have to do is send us $5 Canadian or more, which is mostly just for postage. Like it's we literally want, for postage, we yeah. want to send you this postcard. Yes. So um, yeah, that's, I think that's the deal with Patreon. If you can't donate at all, it's totally okay. If you just uh, recommend us to a friend, we have so many podcasts. I bet we could find something that your friend likes. Yeah, yeah, it's about true. us. It's true. You know, um, yeah, just recommend us to a friend because the word of mouth uh, gets us out there. Thanks. Thank you. Now we're gonna talk about Betty. Okay, lit. Alice wakes Betty up in the middle of the night for an impromptu family meeting. The topic of discussion: Polly lost her mind and clawed off the face of a nurse named Betty. <laughs> She only wants to talk to her sister, so Betty takes a visit to the psych ward. Polly doesn't remember doing a dang thing, and uh, that's on that. <laughs> <laughs> Betty and Alice are dishing about Polly, the Polly incident the next day. Alice answers the phone at the Cooper Jones residence <laughs> and goes into a trance. She takes out a knife and approaches Betty with the intent to kill. Betty realizes what's happening and snaps her out of it. Alice doesn't remember anything between the phone call and standing over Betty with a knife. Charles traces the calls back to Shankshaw Prison. Betty puts two and two together and pays a visit to the patron saint of creepiness, Evelyn Evernever. I think you'll find that that's chick. I understand. <laughs> yep. Evelyn says when the farmies are activated, they become Betty and... <laughs> Ah, stupid. <laughs> the phrase, the farmies are activated. Activate. Uh, they become Betty and try to kill Dark Betty, evil Betty. The trigger word is tangerine repeated three times. Betty leaves before Evelyn can set her off. She tests it with Charles and nothing happens until later when Betty comes home to her younger self asking if she's there to kill her. Okay. Sure. Betty believes that killing Caramel was the birth of Dark Betty and that she needs to go back and prevent that from happening because sure, that's how memory works. Charles takes her back into the trance and Betty tells her younger self that she can go play. And it seems like that's the end of Dark Betty. It was that easy. But then she wakes up in the middle of the night and shatters her reflection in the mirror. And then in the flash forward, she murders Jughead with the same rock that killed Caramel. So what's tea? <laughs> that implies that she carries that rock around. She's like, I found it. I was like, 
I Still know it's not- of caramel blood on it. Guys. I was like, I know it's not the same rock, but yeah. I'm gonna make this joke because it looks like the same prop. It so. truly does. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Polly almost scratched a nurse's eye as out. Thanks, Polly. Why does Polly think that Betty is the only one that she can trust or the only one that will believe her? Well, because I feel like I feel like with sisters, there is sometimes a bond where it's like our parents have done some some shady things or or a, a need to like protect things from your parents or like not trust your parents sometimes over trusting a sibling. Yep. It's just like, and but I, even after Halloween when she prank called her as Hal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's probably like, she's probably like getting help. Yeah. Do you think she prank called as Hal because she got tangerined? Like, no. she, it wasn't no. really, like, no. that was no, just No, I her think garbage. that was her just being a yeah, psycho. I yeah. think that's just. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's probably just, like, Betty is typically the one that believes Polly, even though, even when, like, in in her most desperate moments. Again, this, like, harkened back to season one for me, just because of the way that, like, like, the bond between these two in particular has, like, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but it, it felt very similar to when Betty found Polly at the sisters and, like, Polly sort of thinking that Betty is her only lifeline, sort yeah, of. Yeah, she's her touchstone. Yeah. It's just that, like, and I understand that, like, Polly's, like, going through the Rolodex in her mind of people who would believe her, and Betty's the only person she can get to, even though the amount of times that Polly has lied to Betty last season was astronomical. Like, she posed as Betty. Yep. To make her think that Dark Betty was, like, taking over her body or something. Like, Paul, let's get it straight. Polly's not a good person. No. But it's, I, I, I'm always torn between, is Polly just, like, a crappy sister? Or is the po- trauma in her life created this person? And then yeah. is that even an excuse for the things that she's done? And then I just get caught in a whirlwind of, like, bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a swirl of, like, oh, I don't want to completely blame Polly because, like, she had a mental breakdown at 16 and never recovered. Exactly. And but also, died, Polly yeah. is a terrible person. Like, she so. was fully brainwashed by the farm. So, oh, yeah. like, how much of that was brainwashing? And how much of that was her just being kind of a just bad sister? Yeah. Because, like, Betty did everything that she could to try and help Polly constantly. Mm-hmm. And Polly constantly was like, no. Yep. We're just forgetting that the twins that we were always talking about are Polly's, too. Like, Polly right. never I talks about them. That. Yeah, like, why isn't she worried about her children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So the nurse that she attacked, her name is Betty. Charles says her name is Betty, which tells us that she is alive. Uh, Polly didn't, like, kill her. Oh, yeah. That's good. Um, So that's good to uh, point out. And Polly has fully lost that time. She doesn't know what happened. They talk about how she got a phone call beforehand. Alice gets a phone call, and then it happens, you know, all that stuff happens. But the thing is that when you get a call from a prison... Oh, yeah. It starts by saying, hey, this is a call from Shankshaw. Do you accept the charges or whatever? Yeah. And you have to be like, yep. I accept. Unless Before they start talking. Unless she has a hidden cell phone, which I wouldn't put past her. Like, oh, that's know. also a possibility. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. But if he can trace it back to Shankshaw Prison. The signal. Maybe not yeah. the, like actual... the location of the... But then would Charles card? not be... <laughs> would Charles not be obligated to then tell the prison that she has this secret cell phone? I feel like we're thinking about this more than the writers ever yeah. But like, that means... But doesn't Polly also have a secret cell phone because she was able to call Betty on Halloween? I mean, I think... No, I think Polly can ask to make phone calls. Right. Oh, right. Because they like call because they call back the number and it's yeah exactly whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So she tries to kill Betty and loses that time again. And Betty, all she has to do is snap 
to snap her out of it. How did Polly get snapped out of it? Probably the same movement. Somebody snapped? Or, or uh, I mean, probably, like, someone, like, making a loud noise right. or, like, you know. Sure. So it's in Shangsha Prison. It's Evelyn. Oh, I hate her so much. So I'm confused. All of this Charles stuff would be fine if he wasn't still with Chick. Exactly. And they're not telling us anything about that. Like, everything would be good. Every single thing that Charles does in this episode is completely trustworthy. Such a good brother. Oh, yeah. He's being a great brother. He helps Jughead. He helps Betty. He even hugs Betty at the end of the story. comforts her. It's beautiful. But, like, it's tinged with garbage. Because I'm like, like, in my mind, my theory is that Charles is actually good and he's actually playing Chick. But they never told us that that was the truth. So now I'm like, is Charles evil? Is he playing them? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, they they literally didn't even, like, if they hadn't added that stupid 30-second scene at the end of that one episode, then, like, I wouldn't have all of this trust issues. Dread. Well, yeah. well, that's why they did it. They did it to mess with you for the yeah. rest of the season and have you, like, Well, I don't like on it. On the edge of your seat. I just want to trust somebody. I, I personally am just, like, choosing to believe that that was a red herring. Mm-hmm. So I do trust it. Yeah. And I'm also just very good at compartmentalizing and yeah. just being like, well... That's a that's a problem for future me. Yeah, oh yeah, explained at some point. Yeah, like I'm watching the episode, I'm like, this is nice, and then I'm doing my notes, and I'm like, just kidding, this sucks. So when they say tangerine three times, you turn into Betty and try to kill Dark Betty. So basically, hi, I'm Betty, and anybody named Betty, I'm going to kill you. So that means that Polly actively knew that that nurse's name was Betty. Wouldn't it have just been easier to brainwash them to kill anyone kill named Betty, Betty yeah. or just Betty? What's with the Dark Betty stuff? What was the point yeah. of that? Because they need to get rid of Dark Betty because you were saying that Lily doesn't like the Dark Betty storyline, no, and I'm inclined to agree. She said, she said at Comic-Con that we were done with Dark Betty, which is why I'm like, but I thought we were done with Dark Betty. She must have well, meant that like they meant, had like, shot this episode yeah, and now yeah. it's over or something. But I was like, if they had never brought Dark Betty back, I never would have noticed that they didn't like resolve it. I would have been yeah, like, okay. I've been like, good, great. Right. Yeah. yeah. She says it was Edgar's idea. So, great. Thanks, Edgar, I guess. Yeah. So, Betty is afraid that she's also hypnotized. When did the farm do this? Like, oh. Betty must have been hypnotized somehow, but she was hardly there, like, at all, you know? But she was hypnotized that one time. Yeah, she yeah, was so drugged like, whenever hypnotized you... that that time. It was, it's probably, like, subconsciously laid in. Exactly. Like that. I'm sure we've already talked about this, but, like, when Alice was hypnotized, she said that she was seeing Charles. But then it turned out she was actually seeing Charles, but I think she, like... But Edgar tried to make her think she was seeing Charles. So it's not she, gonna make sense. So did she do the thing that Betty did the second time, wherein she like pretended she had the drugs, but she didn't? Yeah, that's what Probably. I thought. And then it was like Chick or like whoever they were pretending they were making pretend to be Charles. Exactly. And th- but then she was actually legit seeing Charles. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. I was well, like, I it's don't not care. gonna make it. It's not gonna make sense because they didn't write it with intention. <laughs> They should have strapped Betty down before doing this test. Oh, yeah. Fully. Like, like I genuinely expected her to be like, ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> and, like, smash a mirror and, like, grab a shard and then, like, stab try herself in the sl- face or, like, or, whatever. Or, like, try to, like, slit her wrist. Yeah. So, they probably should have strapped her down, but go off, I guess. She's okay, but she's gonna have problems later. Uh, right, because she was drugged, like, literally that one time. Yeah. Okay. So she has a vision of her younger self. She's digging her nails into her hands again. Needs to go back in and stop Dark Betty from existing. She literally just tells her younger self to go and play. And so she does. Be like, okay, I guess. Now, one of our questions was, where's Hal? Is it because he's just not relevant to Dark Betty? Well, that was the thing that, like, really confused me is if this memory is about slaying 
Dark Betty. Mm-hmm. She was created because of Hal. So shouldn't you have to slay Hal? Right. That's that's why I'm a little confused, I guess. Well, no, I understand it. I just think it's like a heavy-handed metaphor. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that was like the easiest way they could have like done it without being like dramatic. Right. Yeah, that's so true. like if I just prevent this memory from existing in my head... I'm not a bad person. And it's just like, that's not how any of that works. But okay. Exactly. I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I guess. Charles and Betty hug, but it's tinged with bad. It's tinged with, so I don't know. Um, she has tangerines on her bedspread. Okay. Okay. I never noticed that. Yeah. Cool. So she says the words in the mirror. She breaks the mirror. And Alice is reading downstairs and she's like, sup. And she's like, oh, I was just broke. I just broke a mirror. And yeah. Alice is like, cool. And then she leaves because, you like, know, nor- the, just Betty things. I'm like, can y'all please like, have a bigger uh, okay. reaction than this? This is weird. So she says that Dark Betty is gone, but I guess not because of the flash forward? I mean, yeah. What if, what if she just repressed Dark Betty and then, yeah. like, she's just a ticking time bomb waiting to smash something in with a rock, you know? Yeah, and exactly. she's like, it's gonna be Jughead. Yep. And now now you have a broken mirror. Uh, she's had that mirror since season one. That's also super bad luck. Yeah, super. So, so. I don't know. I, I, I liked part of this, but I think it was Dark Betty talking to Alice. I don't think that was- Oh! I don't think that was think- Dark Betty- Oh, okay. Like, okay. I, I, I have theories. I could see that. I could see that. She's right? got. She's gone. And she's talking about regular belly. Oh my god, she's belly, belly. belly. Just smashes the mirror until she's like, okay, spooky. you're dead. Spooky. You're dead now. Like, I had to make sure she was gone. Uh, what? <laughs> Why did she? Okay. okay. Alice is like, okay, I'm too tired to deal with this. All right, Archie. Okay. <sighs> I actually really liked this storyline, but um, at this point in my life, I'm an Archie apologist, so whatever. That's okay. I love that for you. Who right. among us is not? Good point. FP asks Archie if he's the dark toque, and he says that he is. FP <laughs> tells him to knock it off. Doubt it. He says he'll help Archie keep the center safe, so he installs cameras there. Eddie wants to help Archie find Dodger, but Archie says nah. Mary tells Archie that one of Fred's foremen wants to buy out the Andrews Construction Company, and Archie is, like, not for that and actually is, like, kind of weird about it. Toby calls and tells Archie that Eddie went looking for Dodger with Malcolm and was beaten so badly he's in the hospital. FB reluctantly agrees to help Archie take down their dumbass brothers. They totally, they totally success is what I wrote. Mm. They totally succeed and celebrate at Pops. A shooter rudely interrupts yet another of Archie's meals and tries to kill FP. So rude. It, Can you stop killing his father figures? Right? Genius. It's just a flesh wound. In Pops? Wound. Guys, it was, it was just a flesh wound. Oh, okay. Whew. Don't worry about it. Poor Pop must be so traumatized by now. Yeah. Well, remember that one time when they, they had the rise at the end of season two and he's like, like, did oh, you want to yeah. like? He's like, because Pop was in the mil. No, that was that was Smithers. Sorry, Smithers was in the military. Oop. But Pop was like, here, throw a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Our Pop's, friend- Pop's like, I'm a bad. Bitch. You can't kill me. Yeah. Our friend Fang confirms that the shooter was Dodger, who's about to blow town with the rest of his nasty family. Archie decides to pull an Archie and hunt them down before they can leave. Archie and Dodger square off, and Archie heckin' destroys him. And if he ever sees their family in town, he'll kill them all. Really embarrassing, considering he's just a teen. Well, he's 18, but still, Dodger, you look like you're in your 30s. You know what else is embarrassing? All of the kids saw Archie do that. So embarrassing. Oh, I'm just, I'm so sad for him. Mary finds Archie sitting in the dining room all bruised. Archie was angry that someone like Dodger still lives while Fred is dead. He feels so far from Fred. The next day, he gets a surprise in the form of Fred's brother, Frank, turning up in Riverdale. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So FP wakes up Archie and he's like holding his rib. So I was like, from saving that kid from the hotline yeah i, I think guess the implication there is like his whole body is just battered and bruised constantly people yeah when 
FP asked Archie if he was the dark tube, and dark Archie was literally just like, yep, we all laughed out loud. Yep. That was oh, yeah. hilarious. It was so funny. <laughs> it's fantastic. Beautiful comedic timing. Yeah. Archie says that the people of Riverdale are too scared to call the cops. I mean, I get it. Yeah. They just don't trust them, I guess. Well, like, because of the way that Hi- Hiram has warped yeah. what FP is able to do, it makes sense. And if FP's the only cop... What's he gonna do? Yeah. And we, we've, we haven't talked about the north side and the south side for a really long time, but, like, there's a difference, obviously. Oh, yeah. And there's also, like, the inherent real-world mistrust of police because, mm-hmm. like, especially from minority groups, because of how police treat minorities. Yeah. So I think all of that adds up to a perfect storm where someone like Archie would step in and help fill that gap. Yeah, and he says that people die changing tires on the side oh, of the road. That and so hurts. if he can die with like this honor, then he'll he will. And I'm like, sir? I'm like, he wants to die well, but must he die at all? Yeah. <laughs> Archie, your mother needs you. Yeah. She really does. FP says that he's doing honorable work at the center and he doesn't need this other stuff, so that's why FP's going to help him. Exactly. They have installed a metal detector and security cameras, so hopefully it's a little bit more safe yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's also helping because it's what Fred would want. Yeah. Oh, they talk about Fred so much. And I'm like, I love the amount that they're talking about Fred. I really didn't want it to be heavy-handed this season. And they're not. They're doing it very, very tastefully. It comes off completely naturally. Like, this is a a completely natural arc for Archie to go through losing his father. And, like, for his friends to go through. And, like, his, Mm -hmm. like, Fred's friends. It's perfectly balanced. Yeah. Um, I just wish we got a little bit more Fred with Hermione. Because Hermione supposedly loved him for, like, years. So... I don't think the writers remember that. It's just annoying because it was literally last season. Yeah. They brought it up last season. So, a little disappointing. I think they remember it. They just don't care enough about Hermione's storyline to make it good. Yeah. So, I had a little bit of a complaint with Archie here. Uh, Don't punch me. Uh But Eddie says that he can help Archie find Dodger. And Archie just shuts him down. And I'm like, Archie, if you just allowed him to just literally just like tell you right where dodger is then he wouldn't feel obligated to like go out there and Mm -hmm. do it himself because he feels like he has information that can help and he wants to help because he's learned from the best you right and so he wants to come out here and help and you're not allowing him to and so he feels like he has to do something and that's the reason why he gets hurt again and so exactly. I feel like if Archie had just, like, not treated, like, Eddie looks like he's probably one of the older kids there. Mm-hmm. If he treated Eddie like more of an adult, which obviously he isn't, but. Like, I don't even feel that he needs to, like, treat him as an adult. Just right. let him hear whatever he had to say. Yeah, like, the whole thing is that he wants to hear the voices of these kids who are voiceless right now, you know? Like, nobody's listening to them and Archie wants to be the one to listen to them. And he's supposed to be the one to listen to them. And so the fact that he just shuts down Eddie, like, that's the reason why Eddie gets hurt. Which is like, I think that's just a writing fail because they needed Eddie to get hurt to motivate Archie into going into full rage mode. And I would also say like, because of the way Eddie worded it, I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility that that Eddie would refuse to give him that information unless he was allowed to come along. Right. I just wish that that had been more clear then because then Archie didn't look like he was just kind of dismissing him. Yeah, for sure. So Vic wants to buy Andrew's construction 
this kind of happened in Cheryl's storyline already literally this season, yeah. but okay. Archie's not about it, but like, Archie, you're not really running the business. Yeah, I and, don't see what the, I, I know that it's the legacy, but like, Archie's and, kind of carrying out a different legacy. Well, like, Vic has been there since like season two, and yeah. like, presumably, like, potentially season one, actually, maybe. That's possible. I remember him specifically in season two, though, but he could have been in season one but either way he's been at Andrew's construction for a very very long time like Archie's like I'm gonna fire Vic for even doing that and I'm like if if you're gonna help if you're gonna sell it to anybody Vic seems like the right person to to sell it to but of course Archie's like how dare you and whatever obviously this will hopefully come back at some point and we'll talk about it some more later but so Eddie and Malcolm are in the hospital again because you didn't give him the opportunity to help you um, Monroe is with them, so that's where he is. Always looking out for him. Mm-hmm. We have Darla and Dodger Dickinson, Ugh. and also the other two Dickenses, Bill and Fagin. I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> and they Name said it. all D names. The way that KJ said Bill and Fagin, like, multiple times in this episode, mm-hmm. I was like, why is it so important that we get there? Like, it was yeah. just felt weird. I yeah. wanted those names to stick, and I'm like, all I hear is KJ having a hard time saying that without his Australian accent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Australian? Australian. Is he not New, New Zealand? Zealand? I don't think so. Look it up though. Hmm. I was like, is this man a Kiwi? <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, fam, so listen up. <clears throat> You're never gonna believe this. You might be able to hear it in the background, but we were literally just watching Oliver and Company. You know, the Disney movie. Because um, of Dodger. We were like, oh yeah, remember Oliver and Company? Because the name Dodger reminded us of that. Right? You guys re- might remember like a few episodes ago. And Sam was looking at the names of the characters and there are named Bill Sykes and Fagin. And we're like, oh, that must be it. Why would they make this all about Oliver and company? Like Dodger, Bill and Fagin are both are all characters in Oliver and company. Weird. And then we were like realizing that Oliver and company is based on Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. And, um, yeah, so all of this has been an Oliver Twist reference this entire time, and I'm pretty amazed that we figured it out so organically, but, um, I guess now we know. Can't find a Darla, but we'll keep looking. So FP says that he will help Archie again, but after this he has to put the Dark Took to rest. Yeah. Mrs. Burble said the exact same thing and he didn't listen, so. Who is he gonna end up listening to? Well, no, I think it's These kids. I think it works this time because Mm -hmm. he, like, he realized he went too far because he did it in front of the kids. Like, Mrs. Burble's like, stop. And Archie's like, "Mm, no. FP's like, stop. Archie's like, ah, no. And the kids are like, stop. And he's like, okay. We were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, Toby, random child. Stop. Oh, okay. Like, get some help. And then Archie, no, Archie's like, oh, no, I should have stopped Yeah, exactly. Is there still time for me to stop now? But FP knows that Fred wouldn't want Archie to have to do this stuff alone, and so he's gonna help him. Is this Dodger? No, this is the brothers. They spit on his shoe, which is, like, gross, but also very good aim, because they were quite far away. The aim was crazy. I was like, how'd you do that? I was like, this is the most unrealistic thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. So we get Serpent FP back, and they beat up the guys. Sam, your thoughts? This is the second sexiest scene in all of Riverdale. Yeah. First being Alice in 205 when she walks into the party. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. As someone who doesn't find anything sexy, like, um, (laughs) just, like, brain-wise, like, I just don't have that going on in my brain, I thought the the moment where uh, Alice shows up at the trailer and FP throws away his gum is also (laughs) a really important contender Mm -hmm. in that list. No, I feel like even though 
though you can't recognize like the attraction part of it, I feel like aesthetically you understand like the beat and emotion of those moments. Yeah. And, like, so You're, it's like you pick up on it. Yeah. You may not like you don't necessarily like you may not visualize it. it, but you get romantic cues. Like you're a big romantic like, person, ooh, so ooh, other people would be into that. Exactly. Right. Like the thing is that like <laughs> this isn't relevant, but like sexy as a word, like definitional, definitionally, uh-huh. sure, <laughs> is like means is sexually attractive. Right. Yeah. I don't find anything sexually attractive. Right. And so I, so factually, I can't find anything sexy, mm-hmm. but I can understand what other people would find sexy. Right. Yeah. And right. that's like, obviously through like trial and error of like living life, you're like, oh, okay. So people tend to go for this mm-hmm. or for this. And then you learn specifically like from like our horrible taste in everything. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. So FP doing that, that makes sense. Or like, like going, boy, and you're like, boy, okay, got it. <laughs> Speak your result. I think my taste is great. <laughs> you date me. I stand Ooh. by my fact. My taste is great. Uh, so after they beat up people, um, they have pie and pops, and it's really great. Uh, uh, FP, please adopt Archie. Um, he needs somebody. It's it's so soft. Like I love this duo, and I want them to like team up on everything forever. And he's like, "Do you need a ride back to the center, buddy?" I think, okay, but like, okay, I'm just going back to like what you said, which is FB, please adopt Archie. And I think, I think the opposite. Ooh. Because. You think Archie should adopt FP. (laughs) You know what? You're totally correct. Mm. No, but I mean, it's nice for Archie to have like a male figure in his life that is nurturing. But like, as a kid of a single parent, I was never like, I never wanted for anything because I didn't have that male role model. Right. So like for Archie, it's good to just have someone listen to him. But I don't know if he needs a father figure right now because like. Fred's death is just so new. Well, yeah, I don't think he's, like, I don't think he should, like, replace him or anything or, like, replace Mary even, Mm -hmm. but I I just like them as a team. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't, like, saying, like, saying that you guys were insinuating that, but I was just sitting there thinking, oh... Is that something that someone listening to this would be like, ooh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Mm. So just want to, like, discuss it a little. Yeah. Say all the things. Okay. Just say it all. That way people are like, I can't disagree with the aficionados because they say everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally the key to like my entire worldview in here is if I say every thought that's in my brain and then counteract it by also saying those things, then I've never said anything (laughs) wrong. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then of course FP gets shot in Pops by someone in a mask. That was just, just like Fred was in front of Archie. That was so yeah, much of what it was. That, that was, was too horrible. much. That was, it was a little bit too heavy handed of a parallel, I felt. I think they'll ever touch on it again. Uh, FP's literally like, I'm gonna go home pretty much immediately after this. Like, yeah. it seems like he's just gonna be normal again at the end of, or at right. the beginning of next episode. We were robbed, guys. We were fully robbed, we were of, robbed uh, Alice of Alice at the bedside. Yeah, but, like, true. even the two of them, like, at the end of the episode or something, like, when he was, like, recovering. Yep. Or, like, hello? I can't believe we were robbed so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but FP says he doesn't regret it because he had a really great time. <laughs> Which, like, I... He's like, I got uh, shot, but still. But, like, please protect this man. Yeah. I was I was viscerally upset by this shooting moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> so, we get Fangs back. Um, last time we saw him, he got punched in the face by Betty because he called her a traitor, uh, getting onto a bus that was going to j- fall off a cliff. I mean, um, enough, so, it's nice to see that he's back to his normal ways. I am a little disappointed, though, because this would have been, like, literally the opportunity to bring back, spe- to bring back Sweet Pea. Yeah. 
like I've been saying that like what Sweet Pea should be doing is like being the leader of the serpents and then come back and being like this is horrible please take over my job I am not good at this exactly yeah. like it would have been hilarious and adorable and very Sweet Pea it, it's upsetting that like at the end at the beginning of last season we got so many more layers to Sweet Pea when he was like trying to be with Josie and he was like so good at like communicating that like he was looking for a long-term partner and she wasn't and so he was like not interested in being that for her or whatever it was like so awesome it was very healthy yeah and now he's just like gone, gone? and i just want to know where he is like we know that jordan is back in vancouver only because he lives here just for the record yeah we're not creepy it's just we live in the town like yeah celebrities we hear right. about it yeah, he lives here. But like he's here. Yeah. So like if you're well, writing good. if you're writing him off the show, then like tell me. Fine, but like tell me where he went. <laughs> you know? I'm sure that he's gonna pop up at some point. Like it's just gonna be like a random thing, like he was never gone. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But like this would have been the time, you know? Sure. Because now I'm looking at it and being like, hey Fangs, last time I saw you, you were a little unhinged. Which Speaking of, I love the way that FP greets him. He's like, you're on thin ice, boy! Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. at least there's some things continuity. But it's great that FP was still just like, of course you're of course you're being welcomed back into yeah, this you're, you're still community. Family, yeah. But you're so, on thin ice. Yeah. You're still family. You're just really grounded. So the serpents are out there. Oh yeah. So like the serpents exist. Currently, and I and I change it a lot, but currently my theory is that Sweet Pea is just like with the serpents. Yeah, they're all just like straight hanging. He's oh, just yeah. there with them. Because we know they haven't disbanded now. Like this tells us that they haven't like just disbanded and and gone off into the nether. Yeah, know? no, no. Yeah, they're they're still kicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Dodger is leaving. He's like, I'm out of here. Uh let's go, mom. Who cares about my brothers, though? Let's go, mom. That is the exact same age as I am. So embarrassing. Every time he said mom, I was just like, if I was if I was the lady who played Darla, I'd be like, I'd be very insulted. Great, I look old. Thanks. Like this man has a full beard. Like I could have bought it if they were just like insinuating, sort of like old lady kind of thing, and they were like a couple. Yeah. But that's not what they're doing. No. They're, they're trying to make me believe that that is his mother. And I'm like, I have eyes. Like, they stop. couldn't They couldn't make him look a little younger? Or, like, hired a different actor yeah. who is younger? Like, okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, one of my favorite moments was Archie coming up to Dodger and saying, you don't get to hurt my kids. Oh, that's that, so good. My kids. His children that he shares with Monroe. That's, that's our son. That is our son. So he attacks Dodger, who is supposed to be in a coma still. Sure. But okay. Why not? I guess he just woke up and now is available for punching again. Right. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I'm not fine with that. Yeah. Right? Whatever. I mean, hopefully he's gone now, because I wasn't really ever interested in the Dodger aspect of Archie's no, storyline. I was kind of so, done with it a while ago, to So be if he's gone now, then great. Also, they want to steal his truck. She's like, hey, you want to beat him up so we can steal his truck? <laughs> That immediately set me off. I was like, that's Fred's truck. That's Fred's truck. Like, you can't right? touch that like, thing. Perish. That was like, like, Archie was already mad, but then when she said that, he was like, that's my dad's exactly. truck! Exactly. Like, there was no getting away with it after yeah. that. Uh, he says that if they come back, he'll kill them, and of course, all of the kids see them. Um, but the only one that we recognize is Toby, because Macklemore and Eddie are still in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm so done with you calling him Macklemore. That's his name. It's <laughs> his name is Malcolm Moore. His name is Malcolm Moore. Macklemore. I know. Macklemore. 
I know. <laughs> it, I want, for the record, it's a freaking great joke. Yeah. It's just like one of those puns that's infuriating. So yeah. you're just like, <laughs> Like, how did they miss that when they named him? You know? Like, didn't, I no hope one, it was no on one purpose. Said it out loud. Yeah. I mean, I just want to throw out there that maybe they didn't miss that. That they did it on purpose? Yeah. Like, I understand how they would have missed it because, like, maybe they forgot that they gave Mad Dog a, for, a last name already in season two. Three. It's possible. And then they were like, let's just, you know, we need an M name. How about Malcolm? And then they were like, at some point, like, wow, so we really named him Macklemore, huh? Oops. We were like, ah, well, gotta commit now. Gotta go. Yep. So, Archie, I have thought, actually, there's some stuff, there's something in the um, Jughead storyline that it includes Archie. Archie came back to see FP, but FP's actual son was there. And so that, so Archie leaves. So what does this mean for Archie? Why did they have this moment where Archie, like, was the way that I kind of interpret it, and maybe you guys can shed some light on this for me, but, like, the way I kind of interpret it, because it was obviously a very clear choice to have Archie show up and then see them and then leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, like why pay KJ for that day if it's not important? So the way I interpret it is that like he is making FP this father figure for him, which FP has kind of always been. So it's it's really natural for him to be in that sort of relationship with FP. But maybe Archie was going a little far with it or something. And then he sees that Jughead's there and he's like, oh, he has an actual son. I guess I'll leave or whatever. And then like, because then he just goes and then he talks to Mary instead. Like yeah. he was going to talk to FP about the kids it, and I then he goes to talk to Mary. I think it would have, like, to Archie, it would have been less scary to go to FP than it would have been to go to Mary because, yeah. like, she doesn't quite know the extent of, like, the dangerous things he's doing. Right. And, like, he probably would have felt closer to Fred if he had, like, gotten to work through that with FP. And mm -hmm. then he was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't what this relationship is because that's what this, like, he sees FP and Jughead and he's like, that's their relationship. It's not my relationship. Right. And he's like, I lo I don't have that relationship with somebody anymore. Yeah. See, that's not what I got from it. Okay. I got Archie walking up and seeing a father and son and being like, you know, he sees a good relationship between FP and Jughead. And he's like, I've never felt farther away from having a parent in my life. Like, or uh, like a dad. Right? Yeah. No, like that's, I'm a great, I yeah, agree yeah. Like, I think it's like, yeah, there's some, like he but. sees that and he's like, that's not mine, like anymore. But I don't think, I don't think he was ever projecting onto FP. I think he saw FP as a partner, not a father. No, no. I'm trying to find a way to say that I am saying the exact same thing that you're saying, but okay. in different words. Okay. Um, like, I don't think it, it's about it being FP necessarily, in, but insofar as that he, like, they both knew and cared about Fred. Yeah. And in so much as like him seeing that relationship between the two of them and realizing he doesn't have that relationship anymore. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then we're saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So Mary's like, oh my God, Archie, who did this to you? And Archie's like, I did it to myself. And I'm like, not quite. Yeah. But I see what you're going for. Yeah. So Archie, of course, is upset because he, because how does Dodger get to live when Fred died? Right? I love and, that. And Dodger sucks. I think this is a great place to take Archie. They talk about how he's still hurting. And so he, he needs to continue to see Burble. Like we've said, like we said yeah. last episode, um, it's one therapy session doesn't save you from years of trauma. You need to like go all the time. Yeah. Because it takes work to, um, to heal. 
Therapy involves homework, and Archie needs a lot of it. Okay, so now we have Uncle Frank. Uh, so Uncle Frank for sure looks like Fred, so good casting yeah, there. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. He actually had another uncle named Uncle Oscar who died. We don't know the circumstances in which Uncle Oscar died. Hopefully we will get some answers on that due to his other brother being here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the Riverdale Wikia, and they had some information on Frank Andrews. The way that this paragraph reads it seems like it could have been a casting call type thing or like i don't i don't know exactly but it's mostly just like stuff about frank frank okay frank andrews is a blue collar former high school football star tough brash and charming his temper and vices constantly get him into trouble he's lived in the shadow of fred his beloved older brother since he was born as a result frank joined the army in search of his own identity after three tours of duty frank andrews is haunted and in need of a home another stray for Archie to help. It's interesting that Archie was like, I'm looking for a father figure. Like you said, he doesn't necessarily need one at this time. But if he's he's looking for some kind of connection with a male figure. And he sees that FP is not exactly available for him in that way at this time. Yeah, because also FP's just been shot. And what happens? A father figure materializes in front of him. It doesn't seem like from this paragraph, Frank is necessarily ready to step into a father figure role. Like, it seems like he is, like, Frank Andrews is haunted and in need of a home. Yeah. I he think and Archie are going to have a... They're, they're on the same journey. field. Yeah. You know, I don't think that he's, like, here to be a mentor. You know, he needs a mentor himself. I think they need each other. Yeah. Um, oh, my last thing about this was just that Frank it, was not in the comics. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So, um... No Uncle Frank, really? Uh, no. Interesting. Oscar potentially was? Um, one sec. Well, there was a character named Frankie, but it was a completely different thing. Oh, okay. Other adults. Family members. Uh, Fred Andrews, Mary Andrews, Hermione Lodge, Smithers, Hal, Alice, Polly and Charles, FP, Gladys, Jellybean, Hot Dog. Hot Dog, Hot Dog, Hot Diggity Dog! That's all. So that those are the only family members. Oh, main article, families of Archie's gang. Fred, Mary, Artie. So uh, Archie's paternal grandfather, who we've heard about. Oh, right. Um, he was in the, in the comics. Um, Spotty, who is a dog, and Vegas. Archie's featured with his dog Vegas in several Archie comics issues. Vegas is a caramel colored pup with a red collar. I did not know that Vegas was in the comics. Well, that's a, where is that Vegas? dog? Okay, Cooper family. Hal Cooper, Alice Cooper, Polly and Chick Cooper, Caramel. Caramel is Betty's golden-haired cat. She originally appeared in Little Archie. So Caramel was in the comics. Yeah, All right. Oh my god. Uh, the Jones family. FP, Gladys, Hot Dog, Jellybean, Soupead? I'm sorry. Right. What? <laughs> Paul Soupead Jones. Soupead Jones, god I hope they don't do this, is Jughead's young cousin. I'm good, thanks. Who except for being much so- shorter, looks exactly like him. <gasps> is that who died? Is he Scrappy-Doo? Is that who died? It was his twin cousin, Soupet. <laughs> it's been Dylan all along. <laughs> it's been Dylan this whole time. Uh, and then extended family, Grandma and Grandpa Jones. Uh, I don't see anything about Grandpa Jones being abusive, but why would that be in the comics? Okay. Lodge is uh, Hiram, Hermione, Leroy, Veronica's cousin, who's in elementary school. Little oh. boy. Marcy, nerdy cousin, Aunt Zoe. Wait, nerdy cousin? Yeah, Marcy, Veronica's oh. nerdy cousin. I thought they just didn't bother to name it. Oh, it was no. like f-ing incredible. Aunt Zoe is Veronica's truck driving aunt. She's a Lesbian. stocky woman with short black hair. Lesbian. So, uh, sounds like you guys gay. are into it. 
Uh, Harper Lodge. Harper Lodge is Veronica's cousin. She's a teenage girl with long black hair and pink highlights. Sounds cool. Cool. Veronica's pets. When she has a dog, it's usually a poodle. Fifi and Lucre- Lucretia? Lucretia? Lucretia. Let her end it. Having a romantic relationship with Hot Dog? What are their dog, dog relationships? Furries run Archie Comics. Minari, Beatrice, and Smedley are some of Veronica's cats. Smedley. All right. Oh, and yes. then you remember servants. Veronica's memorable cat? Smedley? <laughs> servants, Gaston, Maids, and Smithers. Uh, in one little Archie story, Mr. Lodge told how he and Smithers were childhood friends. That's kind of cute. Yeah, but they, like, grew up, and Hiram was like, be my servant? Oh, yeah. The Mantle family. His father's name is Ricky? Yeah. No, it's supposed to be Marty. Ricky and Vicky. It means it's supposed to be Ricky and Vicky Mantle. Wait, that's being hilarious. But their names are Marty and Melinda in, uh, in the Riverdale TV series, Reggie's mother's name has been changed to Melinda. Yeah. Clayton, Coach Clayton, Mrs. Clayton, Chuck Clayton, Monica, Jason Blossom, Clifford and Penelope Blossom, Sugar. Sugar is Cheryl Blossom's purebred Pomeranian dog. The Doilies, Tanya Doily and Kenny Doily. In Riverdale's first name is Daryl. There's a lot here. Okay, anyway. Interesting. No no Frank. (laughs) Ultimately, no Frank. All right. (laughs) Um, Hey, Brittany, do you want to talk a little bit about TV Co.? Yeah, TV Co. is like this app that you can download where you can join us for our weekly live streams of the previous episode of Riverdale that we watch to prepare for the next new episode. Cool. Yeah. So our TV Co. schedule for January and December, since we're not going to be seeing you guys or, well, I don't think I mean, we, we never, never see, see you. you. <laughs> um, but if you want to see us, download TV Co., search for the Aficionados or Riverdale. And join us at 7 p.m. PST every Tuesday. We are going to be taking Twitter's requests for episodes during the hiatus. Um, So the day that this podcast comes out, yesterday, we took uh, uh, Twitter's recommendation. We are doing a poll on Twitter. Uh, Don't know what it ends up being at this point when we're recording. Don't know what it's going to be. But all of our broadcasts are saved on our TV Co. profile. So if you go on TV Co., the app, uh, search Riverdale or search Aficionados. You should be able to. You should be able to find our saved broadcasts. Uh, the next few Tuesdays are the twenty fourth and the thirty first of December. We will not be streaming on those days, but starting on the seventh and the fourteenth, we will be doing um, more uh, Twitter's Choice episodes. Uh, and then on the twenty first, which is the day before the uh, next episode comes out, that's when we will be rewatching this episode. If that all makes sense. Sure. I look forward to, to all of that. We have fun at, on TV Co. It's true, we do. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely watch our Ice Storm one. Mm-hmm. It is by far the funniest one. Yeah. And not just because I set off the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. From a number of reasons. <laughs> Great soup muscles. How did you not notice you started <laughs> off the broadcast quoting a Shrek TikTok? I don't know. Oh, sorry, Fiona. Oh, sorry, Fiona. <laughs> Great soup, Masa's cue. <laughs> Dips fingers in the soup. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, Fiona. <laughs> uh, anyway, now we're gonna do Jughead, and I did the Jughead storyline. Whoa, what you Jughead? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Jughead finishes reading the excerpt of his Baxter Brothers novel to the class. Dupont offers Jughead the contract to be the new ghostwriter. Brett, of course, is unhappy with this, but it's just because he's butthurt because he's supposed to be the top dog and he isn't. Jughead goes to FP about this. 
He, of course, wants to take the job, but he feels morally weird about it due to him thinking that DuPont stole the property from his grandfather and had a bunch of people killed. (laughs) (laughs) Jughead asks Charles to help him in locating Forsyth One. It is remarkably easy. He lives in the forest near Seaside in a bus he's fixed into a house. Looks cold. Hmm. Jughead goes and asks him about school and DuPont. Forsyth One tells Jug that DuPont bought the first book and the concept off of him for $5,000, totally legally. As the years went on, he saw how successful the franchise was and started drinking and abusing his family. Not really an excuse, but go off, I guess. Jughead goes to see FP in the hospital because he's been inflicted with Archie. (laughs) Frick! Upsetting. That was upsettingly funny. FP tells him to take the contract. Jughead asks if it would be okay if he brought Forsyth One there to talk to him. FP literally can't move, so I guess. I guess. Jug goes back to the bus, but Forsyth One has run away like a coward. Or maybe DuPont followed Jug to him and now he's been killed in another accident? Who's to say? He goes back to FP to apologize for teasing him with a father that felt regret or remorse. FP forgives him. Back at school, Jughead signs the contract. He gets a note telling him to go out to the forest, which, yeah, do that, sure. (laughs) (laughs) The sheer anger in your voice. Brett, Donna, Jonathan, and Joan are all there in weird cloaks. They look like Gryffindors. They do. Jughead is instructed to break open a skull. Inside, he finds the quill and skull tie pin. Welcome to the club, Jug, with ranks such as Brett. Welcome to the club, Jug. <laughs> like, ew, but okay. Yeah, like, alright. So the Baxter brothers are named Buddy and Bobby. Cool. Great. Um, and the book is called The Case of the Boy in the River. So this means a lot, actually. Just that small line actually tells us a lot, because Jughead's whole concept for his novel, his manuscript that he's been writing for three, well, I would say two seasons, and then season three was mostly him writing G&G campaigns. Um, But for the first two seasons, his whole novel concept was all about Jason. And so it's interesting that he has taken all of that and adapted it into his Baxter Brothers novel. I love that. I mean, write what you know, right? And he literally wrote what he knew. Yeah. And um, that's why he probably wins is because he takes his plot points from real life and of course if it was brett like if if i mean brett would say it was cheating (laughs) but it's not um it's literally the best that you can do as a writer yeah and uh yeah so i'm happy for him so did they write their entire novel like they weren't supposed to but then dupont became the teacher so i guess now they're writing their entire novel uh, no, I thought that was just the spec chapter and then, like, they presented their ideas for the novels. Yeah, that's what it was supposed to be, but he ends it by being like, and the Baxter brothers finally finished their thing and all they wanted to do was eat dinner. Like, it seemed like they wrote the entire novel. That's a good point. So it's like, maybe because DuPont is like, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> He's like, I don't have a lesson plan. Can y'all just write my novel for me? I mean, that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's either a... Because he does indicate that there's, like, another mystery on the horizon. But yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. And, and it seems like if that's true, everyone else's books fully go to waste. Right. Unless he's like, can I buy it off you for $5,000? Exactly. I, I imagine they could each rework their stories yeah. into like a new novel. Exactly. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, I'm so happy for Jughead. Yay for him. And then DuPont goes, okay, but you have to play by the rules. And we're like, oh. And it's like, oh, what are the rules? Jughead's not good at rules. If anything, it's his worst thing. So Jughead goes to Charles, and he calls him Chuck. (laughs) Why? Why did they do this? (laughs) He only calls him Chuck once, and every other time he calls him Charles. I think it was just a joke. Like... Or they, they were trying it out, and then they were like, oh, no. Oh, well, never mind. Um, so Forsyth 1 has a P.O. box in Seaside, and he comes in from the forest once a month. Cool. I'm like, does he get a month's worth of groceries? 
every time? Probably. I mean, he probably hunts in the forest. That's true. And a month worth of Amazon packages. Right, exactly. Um, he's living in a bus. Okay. Sure. Which is cool. Sure. Um, and he's like, hey, you're trespassing. And I'm like, sir, do you own this land? It, he, he probably leases it, at the very least. Okay. Like, like it's not, it's like the middle of the forest, right? But, like, he's living, the bus technically, I guess, would still count as his property because it's his? See, and we thought that he was hiding, but now he's saying that DuPont is like a chill dude who did things legally. I guess. He's just a recluse. Yeah, and then, oh yeah, so then we got confused there, but then when he's gone, I had the theory that either, like, DuPont had followed Jughead, found him, and got him killed, and then Sam had said, or he's running away from DuPont. Right. Yeah. And not Jughead and FP. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I definitely don't think this is the last we've seen of Forsyth no. 1. Oh, no, no. Know. I liked uh, when we were watching that Brittany pointed out you can tell that he's Jughead's grandfather because he calls him, calls him boy. The yeah. first thing he yeah. does is he goes, boy, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So oh, he's okay. like, ah, no, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't ask any other questions. He's like, hey, I'm your grandson. He's like, oh, okay, come in. <laughs> Shouldn't you give him, like, any kind of test? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, bud. He's like, wow, you look weirdly identical to FP when he was younger. Hmm. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. He says, whatever your dad said about me is probably true. Like, it seems like he feels bad, but, like, that's also not really an excuse. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I have a hard time with this because, for me, it's cool motive still abuse. Mm -hmm. But I do recognize that if people put in work, their victims can forgive them, but it's not our place to Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. And obviously, FP never did. Mm -hmm. And also, even though FP Sr., may have put in work he didn't put it in with, with fp yep that's so the, that's the key component exactly that he hasn't like done anything to like prove to fp that he's worthy of being forgiven or like spoken to yeah his, and at, at all so he wants the acknowledgement yeah. that he's not the way he was sure but he can't prove it and then he freaking runs away well runs away we think we have a couple theories so it kind of just keeps on reinforcing that this was never a good person mm-hmm. right so I don't know. I think there's a lot of, like, interesting discussions in this one discussion about uh, forgiveness and, like, these extreme, like, ends that we're at with, like, where we are in society right now. But I don't think that it's for us to determine in this specific instance, especially with something as serious as abuse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if if FP is willing or interested in seeking out that relationship... I would believe it, but I don't want it if it's, like, Jughead's decision or yeah. Forsyth the First's decision. I don't yeah. I don't want it to be in their court at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's only on FP's terms that I am interested in this. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So he says that he really loved detective stories. He was like, I had this, like, totally original idea to do teen detectives. You're and the I'm first like, person ever thought of that. I'm like... Okay, but like canonically, like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys are supposed to like exist, right? Exactly, and like they're just ignoring them now, which is really like annoying. Yeah, I don't yeah. love it. Like it'd be fine if like they had never brought up Nancy Drew. We'd be like, oh, this is this is this the is Hardy Boys. This Nancy is it. Drew, yeah. But it was so important in season two that it's like, uh, really late. I'm like, okay, um, so yeah. Like, I'll let you get away with it, but okay, yeah. So Dupont bought it from him fair and square. Uh, Dupont and Forsyth 1 are supposed to be the same age. They went to school at the same time, but um, obviously Forsyth 1 talks about, like, getting bitter, becoming an alcoholic, and that ages you. Yep. And as much as I don't like DuPont, 
he looks quite a bit younger than Forsyth One does. Yeah. Well, he's also wealthier. That's true. So that's really all you really need to know, right? Very true. Very true. Um, but yeah, Forsyth was bitter at how much money it made. It started drinking and getting angry. Not an excuse. Jughead thought that DuPont was like fully, like actively killing people. Um, and maybe, I mean, that our theory was that he couldn't find Forsyth One, which yeah. is why... Um, he, which is why he's still alive. Yeah. Of course, Forsyth One is like, wouldn't I be dead then? And I'm like, Ooh, sir, this is, I feel like this is foreshadowing. Exactly. <laughs> and then like Forsyth One is going to turn up dead and Jughead's going to like go on this whole like spree about, you know what I mean? Yes. It's going to be like what Archie's doing, but worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be like a vengeance thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just not going to work. Yeah. The thing is that, like, they're putting so much care into Archie's storyline and giving Fred what he deserves, mostly because they need to actually give such important respect to Luke Perry. Yep. Yeah. That, like, any fictional death that happens on this show never gets the amount of respect that Fred is getting. Which is fine. Yeah. Because, obviously, there are different circumstances. For sure. I'm just saying that if they were to do basically the same thing with Jughead, it wouldn't be done as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I I want to believe they'll do something different. Yeah. Because it's so, just the same storyline twice yeah. if they do that. So, yeah, did DuPont follow Jug and kill Forsyth 1 or whatever that ends up being? Um, FP says that he'll be home tomorrow morning. So, like, it really was just a flesh wound. Didn't look like one. Yeah, I felt like maybe you should be in the hospital longer, but I guess American Healthcare is trying to tell me. He's trying to tell me it was just a graze and he's just going to have this really dope scar across his peck. (laughs) Exactly. He just bounced off. Yeah. He's so strong. Archie's going to be like, we are. (laughs) Archie's going to be like, we are twinsies. I have this bear claw. (laughs) On my my boob. cool. On my boob. Yeah. Peck? Man can have boobs. Yeah. Thank you. Correction. You're welcome. Too. Um, Archie came back to CFP. Yeah, okay, so we already talked about that. Forsyth 1 feels bad about the way he treated you. And if I was FP, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'd be like, good. This was the part that really upset me when Jug has started advocating for him again. I'm like, didn't you just like, learn last episode that yeah. you shouldn't do that? Right. And to be clear... FP is not obligated to forgive his father. Nope. You are never obligated to forgive somebody who has hurt you. Yeah. Ever. Right. Even if it feels like it's the socially acceptable thing to do, you do not have you to do still it. Don't like, have if to you do want it. to and you and you feel better having forgiven them, by all means go ahead. But if that's not something that you want, don't do it. Don't live do your it. life. But of course FP says that he literally can't leave, so if FP one wanted to come, then I guess he would have to be here. Exactly. Uh, but Jughead goes back and he's gone. Jughead is going to sign the contract because it's time to let go of the past. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you end up dead, so I guess that's one way to do it. So back at school, Jughead is signing the contract and he gets this piece of paper that says to go to the Northwoods ASAP. And of course, I'm like, don't go, you stupid idiot. Mm-hmm. It said like some weird thing on the front of the letter, and it took me like a good like half a minute to figure out what it said. It said FJ3. But it was. Oh, right. If it was. Maybe it was FP3. I don't remember. What? Jones? Yeah, well, I know. Like Jones. I know, but they were going by P. I don't know. Okay, so yeah, FJ3, but it wasn't even. It wasn't like a three. It was like the three eyes, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So the I third. was like, yeah, so I was like, what does that say? Because it was upside yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Ugh. Is anyway. Okay. Uh, anyway, Jughead's stupid because he goes 
He's like, people are trying to kill people. You had me a Jughead stupid. This is why he got murdered. <laughs> we're blaming him for his own murder. Yeah. <laughs> so then they're in these dumb cloaks, and it literally looks like we're at Hogwarts now, which I'm not super mad about, to be honest. Yeah, I'm definitely not mad at that. Jug thinks that Brett is going to kill him with uh, a rock in his hand, I, which he does get killed by later. Yep, yep, yep. So there's that. It's not an unfair thing to think. We all thought he already had an initiation, considering he was stuck in a coffin. Yeah, was that- how many initiations do they have at this school? But okay. You have to be initiated once into a month. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, well that was your initiation into the literary society, now this is your initiation into the Quill and Skull. Which I call Skull and Quill, and I don't know which one it actually is. But I think, instinctually your brain is like Skull and Crossbones. Yeah. Oh yeah, Skull and Quill sounds better than Quill and Skull, and I'm just gonna keep doing whatever I it's want. It's Quill and Skull because alphabetically it should be that way, but it sounds more natural for it to be Skull and Quill. Okay, well, if I say Skull and Quill, obviously everyone knows what I'm talking about, so I'm gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, like me when I accidentally say the one-eyed snakes instead of the Southside Serpents. <laughs> it's snakes! It's my mom! pin in the skull. That's a fake skull, right? It went through the eyeball. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's Why holes in a skull. If I had been Jughead, I would have just, like, shaken it and been like, oh, got it. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Is that a fake skull, right? <laughs> like, you idiots. This is wasteful. Yeah. Yeah, then the next thing I have is the flash forward. Are we good to move on? Yeah, I'm good. Alright, flash forward. One month later, Archie is checking a dead Jughead's pulse, which, obviously, he doesn't have. Because <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. So Betty is holding a rock. Archie asks her what she did. Yes. Yikes. Yikes. Um, so Betty hit him on the head with a rock, question mark. So Betty um, killed him? His body is found, and Betty is one of the people at the coroner's to, like, identify him. But then they're named later as a suspect. So why did they try to hide it? Because then they, like, burn his hat and stuff, but clearly his body is, like, fully intact at the coroner's office. And Brett names them as one of the people that they saw kill Jughead. But they're not even there at this point. Like, it's very, it's, um, it's really confusing. And don't they, like, burn all of their own clothes all Yeah, they're all naked. I'm planning on, during this break, collecting all of the flash forwards and putting them in chronological order. Because right now it's really confusing. Not necessarily what is when. I think it's actually pretty clear to figure out what is when. But seeing it all out of order is making it hard to figure out what happened. And so I'm hoping to get a little bit more insight into that um, during the break. But if you guys have any other thoughts, please let us know. Like I said, our email is evictionautospodcast at gmail.com if you've got some like long form thoughts. Our DMs on Twitter and Instagram are both open, uh, as well as our inbox on Tumblr, which is at, it's just the aficionados in all of those places. So if you guys have thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, now it's time for segments. My first segment is a sexual joke. Hey, question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer is yes, always yes. I don't even care if he's dead. If he <laughs> dies, oh boy, if he dies, I'm going to keep doing this segment. Good, 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 good. I'm like, he was ace the whole time. He was ace until the day he died. Mm-hmm. There you go. And he's still ace. In memory. Stop saying I'm dead! <laughs> Sometimes I can still hear his voice. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> J- Riverdale Jughead's like, stop saying I'm ace! <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I will not. And my statement is, which milk was the most badass? And I'm going to give it to Mary for being just like an emotional rock. Just a really good mom. She's a solid mom. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Love her. And my segment is, did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? 
And um, I'm going to take my breadcrumb and say yes. <laughs> because FP was there at the midnight family meeting. And he was there to support his wife. They were right? both in pajamas. They and presumably pajamas. they sleep in the same bed. Exactly. So mm-hmm. they both came from the same bed. Fair right. Enough. I thought Charles is there and he's just like, hey, I'm in a suit. Like, is he? He's like, <laughs> I, was, I was at the office or whatever. He just like came over. Doesn't look tired. Like, he comes to the house in the middle of the night. He's like, hi, mom. I know it's 2 a.m. But... Um, my sister done attacked somebody, and then Alice is just like, okay, everybody get up. <laughs> like, yeah, he's literally like, meeting. if I was Wyatt Nash, I'd be like, everyone else gets to be comfortable in this scene, and I don't. <laughs> but yeah, I stand by, I stand by supportive husband situation, and I will take my breadcrumb. So now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Pop Tate for... No offense, Veronica, but your father, he wasn't raised, right? This is so funny. <laughs> I was like, that is a cutting, <laughs> a cutting insult it from was, Pop Tate. We were watching the episode and she immediately goes, favorite line of work. That's yep. mine. That's yep. mine. Yep. We were two minutes in and she's like, that's it. That's was, the one. Which was upsetting because I think it is the best one. Mm. Oh, fully. Yeah. And mine goes to Archie and FP for. Now be honest with me. Is that you? Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, what if I just admitted to this criminal thing I'm doing? And mine goes to FP for these real words that Skeet had to say. It's been a while since these fists delivered some proper street justice. What in the hell is that? I'm sorry. Proper street justice. Yeah, that's, uh... Okay. Something. That's sure something. Now it's time for our trailer reaction. This trailer is much better than last week's trailer. This trailer is crazy. I mean, it's better in so that there's, like, much more to go over. But last week's had Alice in it, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not biased at all. No, you are. I am. I'm deeply biased. Oh, freaking Monica Posh is back. Oh, no. Should I watch the, should we watch the trailer and then talk about the little blurb or talk about the little blurb first? What are your thoughts? Watch trailer, then talk about the blurb. What? This doesn't even have a heckin' blurb. Yeah, it's not gonna, because it's not for a specific episode. It's for the spring half, yeah. But it says it's for for 410. Yeah, they probably marked it that, but it might be the next crop of episodes. Lame-o. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yep. Okay, three, two, one, play. Hiya, fellas. Go back to my room. Give me two seconds so far away. What is, Brett, the fact that Brett has to talk, Veronica has to talk to Brett. Get a job. Get away from her. Monica murders Brett. I'm sorry. Cool. Am I hallucinating? Did Archie punch Jughead? No, he punched no. Brett. Oh, okay. It's great. I'm so glad that Brett's getting punched the way he deserves it. I want you guys to know that I took a look at this uh, trailer more in depth yesterday and I went frame by frame by Brett being punched and it was great. That's That's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so there's some sort of party. I guess that the Stonewall Stonewall Stallions, because it's the Stallions pep rally. Um, And that's Jonathan there beside Brett, who he's talking to him. So that means that they're both from Stonewall. Um, So I imagine that's what's going on there. I don't, I have no idea why Monica Posh is here. Be like, I get, uh, she must be going undercover for something. It like Jughead must be asking her to get some information from Brett, but I don't really know why. Exactly. And Brett is telling her to go back to his room and get naked and wait for him. That is oh, so nasty. No. I hope she pulls a knife on him. Like is I just like if that's why Archie is punching him, then I'm like Archie, you're kind of blowing her cover. <laughs> yeah, big yeah, 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 yeah. So now we have more people in these bunny masks. What the hell? So we know that Brett and Donna had these bunny masks, and I assume that also Jonathan and Joan have them. 
Yeah, I, I think it's, like, the whole Quill and Skull have it. Right, yeah, and then yeah. Jughead just doesn't have one yet. Like, I guess they're just doing, like, another initiation Another initiation! Or something. Like, like a golf club or something here. Well, you know how you gotta arm yourself when you're wearing a body mask? Or part of their activities as a gang mm. is doing shady stuff in masks. Right. You like know what? I've heard activity. that before, that's for sure. The Black Hood did it first, and then so did, um... The serpents. The serpents, yeah. They didn't wear masks. They did once. Yeah, they did. They, they weren't but... supposed to have. They were, was they're like, the they were like, masks. we don't wear masks. Oh, yeah, and yeah, they did. But, uh, our guy Monroe says, what the hell? Or, no, sorry, he says, oh, hell no. Yeah. Excuse me. I just need to see the HE double hockey sticks. This episode is called Varsity Blues, and I'll talk about it in the outro. It's about Sports football, ball. obviously. And so Archie's out here playing football. Mrs. Burble was literally just talking to him about the fact that he's not playing football anymore, so maybe that's why. I'll also um, be interested in seeing if they're going to turn, like, tie in Operation Varsity Blues, which was the name of, like, that sting operation on actors who tried to cheat to get their kids into colleges. Oh, cool. Oh. Like, that sounds vaguely like they might try and go for that, so... Veronica says she has a wicked idea. She's talking to... Cheryl. Cheryl? It kind of looks like Tony. No, like, the hair's too red. No, I know. It looks like Tony, like, face-wise, though, yeah. even though it's a weird angle. It almost certainly yeah. is Cheryl, but I'm just saying. Uh, there it pops. She has, she has an idea. Archie... Oh, there's Jughead in the background of Archie punching Brett. Um, and Archie is showing up in his Letterman jacket in uh, stupid situations, like he always <laughs> does. So, really, we are getting season one classic Riverdale. Uh in this moment good because archie good. always shows up in his letterman jacket at the exact wrong time yes, so does. that's great for him uh here if you guys also want to see <laughs> it, it uh, oh, frame by frame, yeah. it's really great um you can also you, you i think you can tell <laughs> that he's not actually getting punched mm -hmm. due to it being a fake fight Acting. because they're actors but actors actors have gotten really and tv's gotten a lot better at that are you ready for this yes. yeah <laughs> So you can tell in this moment that oh he, he goes like him. across he he hits his nose and then he's like Boo! that's really funny <laughs> somebody has scars on their wrist uh, I'm and gonna guess that's Penelope I'm gonna guess Donna okay Sh okay I guess Penelope for candles you guess Donna because of the skull the and the cloak and yeah. we shall see who wins yeah we have Cheryl and Tony oh Cheryl's back on the squad and Tony has hair yeah is, is she is she wearing it? So, I don't I think it's just are her roots just really? I think it's styled like a half ponytail. Okay. Um, either way, they're still trying to hide something. And no, I think maybe this is maybe this is where I think um, her hair is just styled there. I don't know. Ronnie's not supposed to be it. back on the Vixens or Ronnie but, Cheryl. No, she's allowed to be on the Vixens. She's she just not can't not the head of the Vixens. Vixens. Gotcha. So I think maybe we're going to get the answer as to who is taking over the Vixens because he said he was mm. going to put an actual adult in. Yeah. Okay, sweet. And sorry, what does she say? That would make looks like she's saying excuse me. She says, I'm sorry, am I hallucinating? So almost certainly yeah. she's saying that to an adult. Yeah, so they are, oops. So they are doing a cheerleading thing. Jughead and Betty, I guess Betty is not a vixen anymore because she's not down there cheerleading with yeah. them. But they're at the football game that Archie is obviously. She's too busy having sex, you guys. She doesn't have time <laughs> for extracurriculars. So true. But I heard um, that about her. Riverdale High's colors are blue and yellow, and I like that in their own special way. Jughead and Buddy are both wearing blue and yellow. I'm sorry, I think you'll find it's blue, blue and gold. gold. Oh. So sorry! <laughs> it should be. If it's anything, it's like navy and mustard. She's right. What was Ronnie saying? She says, you will not be disappointed. Oh, okay. Well, she's right. Yeah. Unless Who knows what that about, but whatever. It's probably someone trying wrong. Yeah. Or she got them, she get into Columbia. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, totally. I don't know. Or some 
performance at the Le Bonnui. Oh, good boy. Could be any a number of things. They just thought it was punchy for the trailer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we have a survey that you can fill out that'll tell us like, what you like and what you think we could work on the podcast and that's always in the description box. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, We did seasons four, five, and six. We're going to be doing the final season, which is season seven, and we're going to be going back and doing the first three seasons, which I am really excited about because I really loved the first three seasons. Uh, Well, I love the first two seasons and parts of the first, of the third (laughs) season. Uh, Also, in January, we are going to be going to Unity Days. It's a The 100 convention here in Vancouver. Um, It's January January 24th to 26th. And so if you're going to be around for Unity Days, come say hi. We would love to see you and hear from you. And we're doing a panel because we're fancy people. Well, people think we're fancy. Yeah. But no one tell them that we're not. Yeah, exactly. We're deeply unfancy. It's yeah. a secret. <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. It is by far our longest pod, but this one's uh, kind of getting up it's there. It's getting up there. Um, <laughs> we're at the end of season two, and um, those are released monthly. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we actually just recorded the first episode of season two this week, mm-hmm. um, and it was a delight. Season two was great. Um, and those will be released every other month, every six weeks. <laughs> it's every every sixth Wednesday in 2020, so it's going to take up the entire year, and uh, 201 goes out on January 15th. Yes. And Sam, um, would you like to tell me what, what <laughs> pod we're putting out? In January? Um, I believe it's called, uh, Star Trek Picard? I never heard of that show. <laughs> Ever? No. Um, well, it's brand new and it's gonna be amazing. Oh, okay, 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 <laughs> okay. Um, yes, we are gonna be doing a Picard pod in January. If you didn't know, they're doing a new Star Trek show focused just on Picard and it's gonna be, like, really good. So, if you're into Star Trek, come join us. If you're not into Star Trek but you kind of want to watch Picard because you see us never shutting up about it, try it and see if you can, like figure out what's going on that's what we're doing to Robin. Yeah, you can relate to me. If you're looking for someone to relate to, I'm your person. Yeah. Star Trek is usually pretty good about you being able to start anywhere. Yeah. So I assume that you can start with Star Trek Picard if you've never watched a Star Trek and still have a great time. Yeah. So come join us. You can join us every Tuesday on the TV Co. app at 7 p.m. PST. Like I said, all of our streams are saved onto our profile. So if you ever want to go back and look at those, you can. And we're going to be rewatching this episode the day before um, the next episode comes out. So that's going to be January 21st. Yes. Um, and up until then, all the other Tuesdays, except for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, um, we're going to be doing Twitter's Choice. So you're going to want to follow us on Twitter so that you can vote in those polls. Vote in the polls! Mm-hmm. And in every opportunity to vote. You should vote. Hey, you, you should vote. General PSA, please freaking vote. Look yeah. what happened to the UK. Get off your ass and vote. Yes. Literally wherever you are, if you have an election in your country and you are eligible to vote, please make your voice heard. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebelable, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but um, please follow Robin Pergis on Tumblr because they're really pretty. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is really expensive. We really need you in January. And um, if... You want a postcard, you should join by the end of the year. That's the last time you're going to hear it from us this year. So get her done. And if you can't spell, it's in the description. And if you can't donate, tell a friend. 
Yeah. Thanks. Tell a friend about us. Yeah. That's, that's good too. Mm. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Sam Casey's on Twitter. That's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. Why do I have to think about it every time I spell it? Because <laughs> you're so pretty. You can also read my Riverdale reviews at TelltelleTV.com. Uh, you can search Riverdale or you can search my name and it'll come up either way. Or you can click on the link in the description because oh. I have it down there. She's so nice. Our next episode, in all caps, will be late. Okay, so the next episode is episode 410. It's called Varsity Blues. It comes out on January 22nd, like I said. However, like I also just said, uh, Unity Days is happening on the 24th to the 26th. Usually I put out, I would put out the podcast on the 27th, but I literally don't have time to edit at all that weekend. So um, next episode will be late. Unfortunately, I am not able to offer uh, early access to our Patreon uh, subscribers either, but it's a one week thing, fam. So I think you guys are going to be okay. I'm going to put it out on the 29th, which is uh, the morning of the next episode. But like I said, it's just a one week thing. So I hope that you'll forgive me. And um, we're sorry. Yeah, to be honest, uh, the mid season premiere last season was just Archie getting uh, attacked by a bear. So it's probably not going to be that important. Yeah, she's oh, she's sadly right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll be okay. That's so upsetting. Yeah. But yeah. Thanks. Uh, the episode is called Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues is a 1999 American satirical comedy sports drama film. It follows a small town 3A high school football team and their overbearing coach through a tumultuous season. The players must deal with the pressures of adolescence and their football-obsessed community while having their hard coach on their back constantly. In their small Texan town, football is a way of life and losing is not an option. Thank you to Wikipedia for that incredibly dramatic. Uh, losing is not an option. <laughs> yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. <laughs>